you're listening to another Type 40 Live Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook. Audio editions of our video content originally streamed to YouTube and other platforms. A quick reminder, this is recorded completely live and we interact with viewers across those platforms in real time. The occasional detail may get lost in translation, we're working on that, and the odd swear word may pass one or more of our lips, so this show may not be suitable for the under-15s. Now that's all straight. Let's start the show. morning or good evening everybody out there whatever time zone or time stream you're joining us from once again it's uh, type 40 live here on a tuesday afternoon for us wherever for you whatever point the fixed points oh more tuesday afternoon time lord talk with uh, a tardis full (laughs) of tantalizing time lords Hold on, let's get me on screen. There we That's me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to the Facebook channel. Welcome back to Type 40 Live. It's our regular strand of Doctor Who content just for you with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and my friends all in the green room waiting to come on. Good to see you all. We're a little late starting this time, but we've pulled it all together. A couple of us were caught in time eddies. It wasn't somebody forgetting to send the links out. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Who's here? Who's here? You ask well. That's for me to know and you to find out. But we've got a whole chat full of people as well waiting for the good stuff. Or are you the good stuff? I think you probably are, aren't you? Hi, everyone, says Lord Thoth. Always the first in, Lord Thoth. He's <laughs> yeah, on the clock, as they say. Uh, Digby, Digby, Digby Strawbridge, who's uh, saying that he can't make it today. Well, this is it. This is time travel. You see, so you can you can watch us later on. It's a good show. I can I can tell you now. It's definitely worth hitting the like button right now while you remember. Hit the like and subscribe to the channel if you if this is your first show. You've never seen us before. Subscribe to the channel. You're not going to want to miss the next time we go live either. I promise you. Share us along as well. Get more the more the merrier. That's what we say. So people can join in, join in with the chat later on. Yeah. And also like, share, and subscribe. As I've just said that. Yes, hit the bell for notifications about when we're on next. That's the little cloister bell in the corner, as we call it. Jonathan. Jonathan Cox is here too. Afternoon, Jonathan. And Richard Brooks. Richard Brooks, yes. Return return customers, I think they, they call that. Yeah, good to see you all. Nice to see. And starry-eyed girl here. Good afternoon, love. Yes, there we are. Good afternoon, everybody. 
spreading the starry-eyed goodness around. Yes, we do miss you, Sarah. Hope to have you back soon. Hello, everyone, says uh, says Matt Pot there in, in uh, Tasmania. There's our Matt. And, yeah, more and more. We'll get to more of that in a moment. I've got something to show you. It's okay. It's not that. <laughs> I've got something really good to show you. This is something that's been sent to me by uh, somebody on, on Twitter. This is a new, yes, this is a new channel up on YouTube with a Twitter account. And if you've been following the channel for a while, not all our Type 40 Doctor Who content, you'll know that a few of us are very, very keen on the idea of colorization, yet recolorization and colorization. Well, somebody that somebody called Who Color, this account, has uh, got a little treat for us here. So I'm going to show you this in a moment, just in case you've not seen it. So this is a clip. This is a clip that was shot. It's footage shot for Invasion of the Dinosaurs from John Pertwee's final season. But it was, it was shot, but apparently never included in the final show. And what Who Color have done is that they've gone in and they've colorized it. So uh, I thought you may like to see. And I'm going to bring on our resident colorization stroke recolorization expert in a moment to see what they've got to say about it. So, yeah, you check this out. See if you've seen this, seen this before. Hold on one moment. Let's get it all ready. Absolutely terrifying. I'll just you'll agree. All the sound effects and everything there. Yeah, but I had never seen that before. And it never ceases to amaze me what some people can do. But I've, I've been wondering what Simon Horton, the original Hunatic, thinks, because he's the guy who sort of changed my mind completely about colorization and about recolorization. So where is he? We're going to bring him on. Bring him on there. There he is. Simon. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, colorization stroke recolorization. The things that yeah. people can do. Did you catch that invasion clip there? What do you think to that? No, listen, my 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 internet connection went down at that precise <laughs> moment. That's why I looked disheveled when I appeared because I, I was trying desperately to refresh. <laughs> okay, so we've I lost them again. Rewatch. I'm sure it was magnificent. Well, going well, everybody, isn't it? Going Am I well. Back? Let's put it. Let's put it on again. It is only 30 seconds. Let's have a look. Where are we? And there it is. my life that's has that tantalized you a little so, of course so it has it's words. brilliant that was just, that was that was i am lost for words that was that was brilliant like, you know me i love colorization and um i i am praying so regularly i'm praying for, for, for a colorized episode of 
on um, on old black and white Blu-rays, and I've been told in no uncertain terms that it's not going to happen. So oh, don't yeah. expect it. So that's told me. Well, let's see what. Yeah, that's that's your take on it. Let's see what JT's take on it. He's actually so impressed by the colours. He's uh, had to take some. Is he? Where is he? <laughs> Where's he gone? Is everybody's connection's bad today? JT is there. I promise you, he is there. But we can't see him. Why is that? We've got we've got uh, what are they called adipose in the works, not gremlins, haven't we? We've got adipose in the works. Let's remove him again and let's bring on Ian and see what Ian I thinks. Think Ian, what do you think about the colorization there, mate? Hello, mate. How are you, Ian? The I'm all right. Yes, <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, it's a, it's a good clip, and it looks all. You know, obviously it's an old, it's old footage, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what they can do these days, isn't it? Absolutely I amazing. So, so remind us, Simon, when was that story aired? He's frozen. He's frozen as well. We've completely lost JT, and we've completely <laughs> oh lost God. Simon. It's <laughs> oh god! It's a good job we've got some good stuff for you this afternoon. Oh, isn't it? No, oh, it well, tell you what. I think they're so lost for words by the amazing colorization there of Who Color. The link is in the description of the video, so you can you can go and hit them up. Go and follow them on Twitter and see what they're up to next. And there's a YouTube channel too, so you can see more of that stuff. There's still images and there's clips, and Who Color do <sighs> promise that there's more on the way. <laughs> it is incredible how clever some people are, and it's blown our minds this week with the creativity of the people out there in in our community in the Type 40 Facebook group. Because, yes, before I forget, we are broadcasting live to YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform. Of course, we are the same as always. And over to Facebook, to our own Type 40 Facebook group, full of companions from all over the world and probably a few other worlds. We've got our suspicions about some of you. But they're a very creative and very talkative bunch. And we asked them earlier on, about four or five days ago, we... We asked them to get extra creative, Ian, because if you remember last week, we looked at this. This is the uh, Doctor Who official annual for 2022, <sighs> everybody, and the, the visage that blew us all away. <laughs> the immense creativity. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the next level artistry of this cover for the Penguin title, the, the regular title for, uh, for next year. Obviously, it caused a furore out there, didn't it, Ian? Yeah, because Jodie's face is not on the cover. Thank God, that's all I can say. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's, there there's, no account, there's no accounting for taste. But you could say that Jodie fans weren't happy with this, the people who love the current era, because there are some out there, it's only fair to say. And obviously the people, other people, other fans, they weren't happy either, because this title has got a long, prestigious history, hasn't it, Ian? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a bit... I mean, it's every year, isn't it, Doctor Who... Um, uh, annual comes out isn't it so um but yeah i mean it's a big furry i mean they're they're all unhappy the jodie bots um that her face is not on the cover and the reason why her face is not on the cover because when her face goes on the cover of something from doctor who it doesn't sell very well so i guess this is the reason why her face is not on the cover so there you go yeah, and we have, <laughs> and we have, yes, we put the feelers out there because because nobody was happy. We spoke to our community and we asked you to come up with alternative artwork, alternative covers to see if you could do better than the good people at Penguin. We were inundated with entries. Now, I'll be honest with you, not all, not all of them were clean. <laughs> you're, a, you're a mucky bunch, aren't you, really? A very, a very creative bunch, but quite a mucky bunch. So these are the ones that we can show. 
on YouTube, okay? So here we are. These are, yes, we've got these two first. So this is, oh, uh, yeah. God. <laughs> it was Don't blame me. <laughs> I knew it was a bad idea from the start. So the people who want Jody back on the cover, obviously we've uh, been submitted that one there. That was from David Payne. And uh, it was all a dream. So we go back a regeneration. There we've got the 12th Doctor taking command once more. So which of those two do you think is the best, Ian? <laughs> the, the one with Peter on. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. yeah, I'd, I'd say you're right. We we got quite a lot of Jody entries, everybody. I won't lie to you, yeah, and we right, can't yeah. show we can't show all of them, but you get the get the general gist of it. And okay, what about what about these two graphical entries? These were sent in by our friend Vanessa Law, who I believe is in the chat at the moment. Mm. She's kind of kept with that graphical image there on the left, with the the simple opening of the TARDIS door. Yeah, that's quite what do you nice. Think that's yeah, really nice. Have, yeah, it's it's subtle, isn't it? And, it, and he actually yeah. sort of fits in with the rest of the design. Simon Horton's back, everybody. So, what do you think, Simon, of these two designs? Okay, That's to answer your last question that I heard <laughs> before oh before I disappeared down the plug hole. That the invasion is from 1968. <laughs> there you got we me are. Me there we, are we have got you, but you are a little patchy. So hopefully that will write itself in a moment. <laughs> Phasing no, in and we've out. Got a, we've got Am a I little there? delay. <laughs> we've got a little delay. We'll go on to. Here's yeah, another couple I'm, I'm, of yes, I, feel, I do feel like uh, the fifth doctor in the five doctors. Bits of me keep drifting I off. Was about to, I was about to say that, actually. I was about to say <laughs> you were Tom <laughs> Baker. <laughs> we're just going through the entries, Simon. All the, all the good people yes. out there have sent in their entries here for the annuals. So we've just seen a couple there. You'll like these. There's a couple of yes. uh, classics, classic series flavored entries here. What do you think of these? <laughs> I love the Vanessa Law. Oh my goodness me! Oh, that's, 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 that's hilarious. Do you know? Absolutely you know, hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. It's it, that the eighty um, Manning on there. I remember. I must have been about. I suppose I was about five or six when that uh, when that Katie Manning. I remember taking it down off the shelf because I saw a Dalek. My, I was with my parents. And I saw a yes. Dalek, so I took it down off the shelf and was reading it. And my parents were just horrified that I'd taken the Katie Manning issue off the shelf. <laughs> that was from a magazine called Titbits, wasn't it? Oh, God, that sounds so wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the one. Back in 75, 76, something like that. But, yeah, it's quite notorious in fan circles. I have to say my favourite so far, though, is the one on the right. I think that's really creative oh, and dear. quite funny. There's, there's Adric there. <laughs> stuck at the mercy of the master so we've got some classic classic series stuff oh there's some more classic there's some more classic flavored things here he definitely here dresses on the left doesn't he, he oh, on the left, <laughs> doesn't has the rabbi the, got anything to do with this these <laughs> these are entries sent in by tam or tam olio no alloy sorry sorry tam out there yes yeah, so these are two other entries we've had we've got uh, darth vader there on the right quite why i'm not sure but yeah let's go with it let's go with it and uh on the on the left well we've got we've got that's a uh, uh, purple gillian brown as played by nicola bryant i'm sure yeah that's committed oh, to to many fans Bryant. memories yeah, yeah yeah from the planet from planet of fire and we do have we do have a couple more we're still waiting on jt he's he's still in that time eddie i think so we've got a couple more here so uh, yeah, this was this was the general gist oh, of the last God. couple of oh, entries God. there. So this is obviously from no. the Jodie fans out there who wanted her back 
on the cover at all costs for 2022. So we've got her, her uh, showing her dramatic range there on the left and on the right. Of course, it was Jodie's birthday a couple of days ago. So happy 39th birthday there, Jodie Whittaker. And there she is doing whatever she's doing. Yes, she obviously having a good time, <laughs> which is more than could be said for the fan base over the last three years. But happy yeah. birthday, Jodie. Yeah. So which do you think of those is, is the winner, everybody? Do you think any of Penguin? We should send them off now. All of them, they can choose. I like the one with the door. I thought yeah, that was really I, nice I did too. Yeah, oh. I, I, the subtle, the subtler the better. That yeah, that was one of Vanessa's. So well, well done, Vanessa. We thought that was good. Yeah, uh, scrunchtastic says Retro. <laughs> no, <laughs> says the talents of Wang Jiang. I think that could have been for the last one. And yeah, so it's all it's all in good fun. Of course it is. I I think that yes. Yeah, so the the annuals may have seen better days. Let's hope that uh, Simon Frozen. If there is another one, I think he I think he may have done. Yeah, he's always oh, he's he's thinking thinking very very hard. Everybody, that, that's where's what it JT could be. gone? That's the question. I don't. It's very unlike JT. I think the Time Lords have have grabbed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens as the stream goes on. So yes, thank you for all those entries, everybody. And uh, yeah, it's all all in good, all in good fun. You can see more over in the Type Forty Facebook group right now. There's quite a few more. Some I of declare them are Vanessa the winner. Not safe for work. Yes, I think I think Vanessa, Vanessa, Vanessa Law is here. She's watching there yeah. in the chat. She says thank you very much. Yes, I think your entries were absolutely outstanding. Very very sensitive. Yeah, let's get, let's get Simon sensible back in as well. Uh, sensible and sensible and sensitive. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's, it, whoa, Simon's gone. He's gone dark as well. This, is this yeah. what they call the dark web? <laughs> I, I, I really don't know what's going on. I really don't. Yes, but I mean, because like, where, where's where's Simon situated? Simon in is world? in Warsaw, just just uh, in the West Midlands, not far. Right. From okay. And um, and what's and uh, JT's in Scotland, isn't he? Yes, he's just outside so Glasgow. Be, yeah, dis if, distance thing. If anybody's seen JT, if he's bouncing around the internet anywhere, please let him know what we're looking for him. Oh, God, <laughs> what, what else have we got? Yes, remember I was telling everybody to subscribe to the channel. It's not usually like this, but it's all in good fun. What have we got next? What have we got next? Uh, let's remove Simon and see if we can get him back in. Oh, we do. I oh, know Simon's gone. Simon's gone completely. Let's, oh, okay. It's Simon's item next as well. Okay, let's uh, let's look at some <laughs> let's look at something else, everybody. It's a good job I've, I've prepared this in advance. So, what's going on in the chat? Simon's power went out. Says Retro Doc. It, it may have done. He did. Was, uh, it did. For the uh, we've got some from IT advice here from the chat from uh, Mega the Extremist for the people experiencing internet issues. Try tethering to your mobile. There you go. We've lost both Simon and JT. Oh, turn well, off and turn story, on again. Story Eyed Girl <laughs> says Nicola Sturgeon's got to JT. Who knows? Oh, she's, dear. She's sniped him off there. Yeah. Oh, dear. And uh, never work with children or animals or Doctor Who fans. Let's talk about the Doctor Who fan base, shall we? And bring on. Yes, this is, this is a friend of ours. He's been on the show before on one of our core box shows. He is also a podcaster, funnily enough, although not on Doctor Who podcasts, all sorts of the shows. So we're going to bring him on now if he's ready. I think he is. He's open, he doesn't phase out. <laughs> I guess he's ready. <laughs> hey. Guy, Guy Etchels, welcome back to Type 40 Live. Hey, <laughs> can you bring me up, okay. That's a fantastic T-shirt you got on there, my friend. Oh, dear. It's got to be done, hasn't it? It just has to be done. Yeah. So who is, pretty... who is your... While, yeah, we're sort we... of, while we're drifting off into comic books there, who is your Green Lantern? Is it Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner? Hal. 
Which one? Hal. Well, Alan Scott. Yeah, I think it's Hal, definitely. It's got to be Hal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of it's got to be Hal. Got, got Where are the green lines? Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, what have you been up to and since the last time we spoke God. to you? And, and remind everybody out there who was watching the show last time, where can they hear you podcasting usually, mate? Where might they have heard you? Oh, probably nowhere. Never. Never have they heard me. <laughs> um, we do our own podcast for the place where I work now. That is the Chase and Rugeley Leisure Centre's podcast because I'm a fitness instructor. So we just completely be balmy, completely mad. Um, we talk fitness and health. That's really good. And I was also doing the Spider Woman, the official, well, not the official, but they've called it the only Spider Woman. That's Marvel Spider Woman's podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so it's basically, uh, oh, also, as I'm a writer, we now have the writer's podcast that I've started. So that's the New Street Authors podcast. Um, but that's all been that's stocked up. So I've recorded so many, stocked it all up. Yeah. And it isn't released yet, but it's going to be soon. So that's for writers and fans of the authors in our group. Oh, good stuff. So if people well, are looking to, to self-publish or to submit manuscripts to publishers, is that what you help people with? Uh, yeah, we're a self-publishing group. So we all got our own agenda, if you like. And we write our own books and our literature. And then we promote ourselves our books, our poetry, our studio, um, our scripts. Um, yeah, we've got a, quite a few events coming up. It's getting bigger and bigger, but uh, yeah, it's all really good. Yeah, but we have, a, we we have a JT back. Guy, this is JT. And yeah. the, the guy directly above you is Ian. So I, I don't know who you, you're on with Simon before. You? So JT, this is Guy. Hello, Guy. Yes. How are you? <laughs> hello, so JT. Very talk. well, thank you. Oh, hello, Dan. Hello, Facebookers. Hello, we've Mega had, Geeky. <laughs> we've had quite a lot of technical problems. We do have Simon Horton back again. I'm told. Have there I he is. yet? Yes. Hey, there he is. Do you know what I think this Welcome is? Back. I think this is a plot in Britain because it happens to be bloody warm. Yeah. Get the infrastructure <laughs> sorted for crying out loud, Britain. <laughs> it could be. It could be. So where were we? So you saw all our mighty annual covers there. <laughs> We we think Vanessa oh. probably chose chose the best one. We've got yeah. Guy in the enclosure now as well, Simon. So we're all stocked and, and ready to go. Keep the comments coming, everybody. Hey, you can comment along with the show as always. But uh, what's well, we've got another tech problem. Really, really loud at the Facebook. Who's loud, Vanessa? Who's loud? I'm always loud, so I don't, that would can be I just, okay. Can I just think I've missed I've missed all of this, and you're right, Vanessa. Definitely the best cover. I love that one with the TARDIS door, just just part opening. That's brilliant. Why is nobody talking about that idea already? Loved it. What are we talked about, Simon? The the annual covers, the the mock-up annual cover. Oh right, that that you missed, and I saw bits and pieces coming and going, drifting <laughs> in and out. Oh, we'll we'll make sure we'll get that back up on on screen later on too, so people can can see the glory of it again. Oh, lovely! Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad you're back, Simon, because I wanted to ask oh, you about this. Yeah, because the... <laughs> because Simon, this <laughs> is this is, you, this is something that you've told me about, isn't it? So, yeah, this book Did is I? about to be released, isn't it? So, this is as you know, Candy Jar books. They've been they've been uh, really good over the last few weeks. And we've done some programming talking about their, their CLAC book, yeah. the Chris Akaleos book. We've talked about what, the 100 Objects book. 
And they've been good enough as well to publicize Type 40 and Type 40 Live in their newsletters and whatever else. So we've got a sort of a, a mutual respect going on between us and Candy Jar. There's this brand new title that's just been listed yesterday, hasn't it? The Ever Running, uh, written by Richard Brewer, again by Candy Jar Books, part of their Lethbridge-Stewart range. But this one in particular is something that we want to tell people about, isn't it, Simon? It is, yeah, because the idea behind this one specifically is that um, the profits for the sale of this book are going to charity. They're going to brain tumor charity. Um, and the reason for this is because Richard Brewer, the author of the book, uh, as he was commissioned to do it by Candy Jar, his, his wife, Richard's wife, bless her, was so sadly uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, and so Richard wrote this book pretty much in hospital the entire book was written in hospital while he wow. sat by his wife's bedside uh, from what i understand she's okay she's 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 doing well she's on the mend uh you know so so we you know we send her and richard all our love and fingers crossed that that that, that, that her recovery continues to go well but because of the, the the particular circumstances that richard found himself in with his wife he said to candy jar you know i'd love to do this book with the profits to go to um brain tumor charity and it just so happens that Sean, who is the guy who runs Candy Jar Books um, and was editing the book for Richard, bless him, his daughter, his young daughter was knocked over in a car accident um, a, a few months ago. Uh, she's left that she can't walk at the moment. Uh, you know, I think, again, hopes are for a good recovery for her, um, but she's not well, bless her. So, again, we send we send her. And we send Sean, the guy at Candy Jar, all our best wishes to you and your daughter for, for a recovery. And so Absolutely. he, Sean, ended editing the book in hospital while he looked after his daughter, who was very, very poorly from a car accident. So the entire book has sort of been pretty much created in hospital while the creators um, were, were nursing loved ones. And so it's just, A, it's, it, it's one of those stories that we, we you know we need to talk about and b the fact that that they have so candy jar so kindly said that they will donate the, the profits to, to charity um to brain tumor charity you know total total Absolutely. total respect to them and so you know i think they just des de deserve everybody's support for this if you go onto the candy jar website you can buy the book i think it's only 10 quid to get the book and the profits go to charity um I think there's a free there's a free short story as well that you can download a PDF that you can download for free. And if you want to make a donation to the charity, even if you don't want to buy the book, um, there's a link again on the Candy Jar website um, to go. Uh, and I guess maybe Dan, we can try and put it in the show notes afterwards as yeah, well in the we'll comments. Definitely put that in the description of the video. So it's six new adventures that all take place throughout the the Brigadier's life and career, including a desperate battle for survival on a distant ice planet. And there's another one where General Lethbridge Stewart is facing the outbreak of World War III in the 80s. There's another one about a young girl escaping from a remote Hampshire village where the sick never return from an idyllic island. And there's three other adventures taking the Brigadier far and, and wide throughout the universe. So, yes, uh, innovative stories by the sounds of it and all for a worthy cause. We do wish Candy Jar Books every success with that title. And, yeah, all of the uh, all of the links will be in the show notes afterwards in the description for this video. What next? What next? 
the other day. Sunday, everybody. I don't. You you must have seen this one, JT. Who's got a head for figures and dates? Have you got it? Are you meticulous about dates as well, guy? I think a lot of Doctor Who fans are, aren't we? <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's just smiling at me. I think I'll, we'll take we'll take that as a yes, guy. We'll take that as a yes because on Sunday, okay, for all you fact fans out there, on Sunday, this kicked off over on over on Twitter. So we've got this hashtag Doctor Who Doctor Who sixty there. That's that's quite an eyesore, isn't it? It's Doctor Who sixty, and the idea is that if you yes, as from Sunday, just gone. <laughs> if you that? if you started. Watching an episode of Doctor Who every day between now and the 60th anniversary, mm. then you would get to the final or the most recent episode in time for the 60th anniversary on the 23rd wow. of November, 2023. So good reason not yeah. to do it then. <laughs> well, this is something that I wondered if any of you have ever have ever done this, done the completest trek through the entirety of Doctor nope. Who. And if you have done, then at what rate have you have you achieved this? So you've never you've never done it, Ian. You've never watched Doctor Who sort of no. all the way through like that. I've watched but, I've watched all of Chris Eccleston, all of um David Tennant's and all of Matt's. And I've I've um the first run of Peter I watched um very disappointed towards the ending of his run. Um but I'll never watch that again because I'm not I just think the stories are terrible. Um, but, um, I've watched the majority of Patrick Troughton, but not a lot of, uh, of, uh, William, basically. Not a lot What's the, what do you think is the most episodes of successive Doctor Who you've watched in one sort of go, either binge watched or one after the other? After uh, the John, other, John, after John the Pertweed other. stuff, mate. John you Pertweed. I love Pertweed. <laughs> love Pertweed. I'd, I'd watch him all the time if I had the chance. But yeah, mostly John Pertweed stuff. I watched. Uh, as I said, I was watching it again last night, actually. For my Which one? Oh, I, I love the because, uh, like, well, coming up in this episode, obviously, we were talking about things that we're scared of, and I was trying to refresh my memory of. I won't say which one. I was trying to refresh my mm -hmm. memory of, of one of the episodes when I was a kid that I was scared of it, so I watched it. But I won't say it until until we get to that. <laughs> <laughs> JT, I have to I have to believe that of yep. all of us. Up there in in the Doctor Who loft, hmm. you've probably done this marathon, haven't you? Every episode of, of Doctor has. Who in has. order. Have you? You must have done it all the way through at least once. Well, do you know this is going to be a shocker for you because no, I haven't because I actually have a life. And <laughs> you know, and the thing is as well, oh, I was there originally from. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've done it. When you think about it, I've, I actually think I've done it because I was there from uh, towards uh, towards the end of Pertwee, all the way through Tom Baker, all the way through Peter Davison, all the way through Colin Baker, all the way through Sylvester McCoy. No, you know, I, no, I, I, I've done that bit now. That was part of my growing up. That I was think. part of my, my formulative years. I quite like to go back now and decide, oh, I'll have a Billy Hartnell today or I'll, I'll have a McCoy today or I'll go and watch Colin or whatever. I like to dip in and out depending on, on the mood of the time. Uh, I do have a friend um, who is on the Type 40 uh, Facebook pages. So I'm going to say hello to Richard if he's out there. He actually did it and completed it, um, I think, around about Christmas time. Might be wrong, but he certainly did it through the lockdown because he had nothing else to do. And he went from Unearthly Child to <laughs> um, whatever those titles are called, which obviously I, I told him off for. Uh, I said, why? Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, he, he, he thoroughly enjoyed it and noticed certain things that he hadn't noticed before. So mm. obviously wasn't paying attention the first time around. 
No, no. I mean, JT, sometimes you can watch something and you see something and it's like you didn't register it the first time around. As I said, when I was watching the uh, the, the John Pertweed um, episode, which we're going to talk about, obviously, I, there were certain things that I didn't notice, didn't notice at all. I was like, oh, spotted that. So, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's just great. I mean, I noticed you didn't mention any of the new Who, uh, JT. Well, because I, I, it was the same thing from... Um, mm from Chris Eccleson from Rose to Capaldi I watched it religiously every week um right. uh, but um it yeah yeah it's just, it, that's just it isn't it really um yeah. the whole problem as you'll know from me is that it has been sort of all roads lead to where I don't want it to lead so I sort of do cut it off <laughs> yeah so, okay. I, but, I get but, you I get you yeah but, but yeah. mega the extremist watching in the chat here Simon says they usually re-watch it every year and it takes oh my around God. nine months the entirety of Doctor I Who can't. in nine months every year I can't imagine that Simon can I, you I, I, I can't believe that I, we do we do actually need definite you you need to guarantee this to be the case mega the extremist because are you sure every year you rewatch it. I mean, surely that would be an episode every night. Every night, uh, or two. For months, and months, and months. I mean, or, or yeah, maybe you're right, JT. Would it be two? We'd have to. Uh, how many actual episodes are there now? Uh, does anybody know what that actual number of episodes is? I did know. Eight hundred, eight hundred and fifty something or other. It's around wow. that. Wow, sounds about right. That sounds about right. So, that's, that's including yeah. the Chibnall yeah. era, isn't yeah. it? I'm afraid. Yes, I'm afraid so. Yes. Oh well, I just how many? How many? Shame on me. And of course, what I had yeah. forgotten though, Ian, was that back in the nineties, UK Gold, they did this, didn't they? Yes. They showed those omnibus. Yeah. They had an omnibus <laughs> episode on at least every Sunday. In fact, I think for a while it was every Saturday. And Sunday, yeah. so that sign of yeah, kind of momentum, potentially twelve episodes per week, watched in movie length chunks when you're sort of hungover. Yeah. So uh, you could call that you could call that a, a trudge through. You could. It's not quite a binge, but it's yeah. not far off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lots yeah. of people seem to do it. Uh, Megan, Eurobyte uh, elaborates. I watched them all, everything on DVD over the last year at a rate of about two episodes. Parts. Per day, mm. so that's similar to that's similar to what the uh, Mega the Extremist said a little while ago. So you've got some real hardcore Doctor Who fans. Well, he did, he did, he did, uh, he did watch it and uh, he done one better than Jodie, didn't she? Didn't he? Ah. So he never watched any of them. So oh, what would be easier? <laughs> what would be easier now as well if you're going to wow. attempt to do something like that? Start with Unearthly Child and watch the whole uh, four episodes or six episodes in one night if you've got nothing better yeah. to do. Or wait for the pubs and the clubs to go open and get back out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, story eyed girls in the chat asked Sarah and she said during the Doctor Who light year in 2016 she watched New Who seasons 1 to 9 ready for the Doctor Mysterio episode oh, so yeah I can God, see why awful. people why people Just, would do uh, that Sarah sweetie do you mean 2019 there because 2016 was series 2 wasn't it no no it was 2005 sorry Sarah ignore me <laughs> <laughs> fancy I'm getting second guessing our starry eyed girl there 2016 oh, and Matt Pot asks, have all the existing shows been released on DVD? Yes, they have, my friend. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. A couple, a couple of times. Oh, I but they've, um, they've um, uh, upscaled uh, the um, David Tennant ones, haven't they? Have they? So, yeah, I, I saw a thing on YouTube about it today. So they're upscaling well, For the Blu-rays? Yeah, yeah, they're upscaling oh, it to, right. um, to 4K. Upscaling them to 4K. Oh, they wow. Of, 
you know, each each they show the example of how it was uh, you know what it looks like and then the 4k version if i got the link i'll send it to you um jt yeah do because that sounds like well grotz it's going towards bbc studios there if they're yeah, going to bring them out in nice glossy 4k simon have you never have you never done Simon, have you never no. done the entire marathon then from an earthly child right the way through? Or no. even just from an earthly child to survival, just the classic run? No, never, never, mm. never. No, I mean, obviously, I'm the same as JT in that I, I, I really I can't quite remember at what point I would have started watching um, every religiously every episode that I didn't miss when we went away on holiday or whatever. Um, yeah. It probably would have been sometime within the middle of the Tom Baker run that I that I stopped missing episodes when we went on holiday. Um, and then I would have watched everything right the way through. Um, but no, I've never done this. But what I what I'm doing um, now as the Blu-ray box sets come out, I now watch that season as it, as it was meant to be as one complete season. Um, so I'm kind of doing the whole run, but in sort of season-sized chunks, and yeah, I'm still yeah, yeah. dipping Dan? out. Yes, yes, JT. This hashtag, where did it come from? Just from Twitter. I think it was initiated by Stephen Schapansky from Radio Free Scaro. Uh, he's, he's a bit of an obsessive and an OCD. I think is the right. way of saying it about facts and figures and, and numbers and and uh, what do they call uh, broadcasts, uh, production codes and things like that. That's so cool. he's very much got a head for these kind of things. And I think a lot of Doctor Who fans have. I, I know mm. fans out there who can remember exactly which Target novel, for, uh, for example, was published as number eighty-two. And I think it's a similar thing with facts and figures like this. So yeah, if you started on Sunday yeah. with an unearthly child, from then on until the twenty-third of November. 2023 that would take you potentially all the way through including the eight episodes that are coming up probably right. the, in the next 18 months or so that's Go interesting ahead. that's interesting because had that come from the bbc it would have meant something <laughs> well <laughs> does anything come from the bbc at the moment but we you see what i'm getting at from a marketing point of view had there had there been a plan that would have been genius from the bbc it would have been a, a major hint but it hasn't come from the bbc so it of means nothing not. Of course. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, Precious people probably don't want to sort of—they don't really want to publicise the uh, the old show, do they? Anymore, bless them. I can see that Retro Doc has said in the uh, Retro Doc says in the chat, the last twenty days would be torture. It's true. Can you? I mean, you just couldn't. You, I wouldn't don't get watch it. Last just, twenty days. Just don't watch it. Don't watch it. Just get cut, cut that last bit. So, um, yeah, just don't bother. Watch no, the problem. We have a, a comment have here. Got, guy, have we got you in the, in the, we've in got the a, chat? We've got a comment here from JFO who says, Rewatching Doctor Who can be funny. There can be episodes that are better than first remembered and ones that are not as good as, as we remember. Were there yeah. certain episodes like that for you guys? Yeah. Certainly oh, yeah. for me. How, how about you guys? Do you go back to classic Doctor Who very often? And if so, do you consume it in big, big season stretches or do you just pick the odd story here and there? He's in a time warp. Can I can I get a message right now to Boris Johnson and his bloody government? Will you please sort out the British infrastructure for technology? This is getting beyond a joke. End of public service. Heaven's sake. Uh, invest, invest. Got, invest. A, got a link here from, from yourself, Ian. Uh, Rebecca yeah. Gold, 4K Doc Who link. What's oh, that? Fab. That's the, um, the link that. that shows the difference well between... Thank you, Rebecca. What was put shot? That in the, where is that in the chat? I wonder. I'm, I, I found it. it. I'm going to go and have a I'll look at that afterwards. I'll yeah, I'll got I'll it. I say JT link. JT link. Thank you very much. I will look into yeah. that, Ian. And Absolutely. depending on the price, I may consider replacing. 
Yeah. Well, I yeah. can't quite believe this. I thought this would be quite a common thing because I have done this marathon from an unearthly child to the TV movie. I think really? I may have spoken have about it wow. before. I, I started on now this wasn't in my defense okay this wasn't long what was that what was that he was dropping there dropped a clanger <laughs> yes so oh. in my defense at this point in my life i was i just had kids so my eldest son was only a few months old and i worked really strange hours in really quite unsociable shifts very very strange patterns and I would often have to do the whole thing where you'd have to stagger your sleeping because I'd do some night shifts too. So I'd right. have to stay up to watch. So what I what I did is on the 1st of January 2000, I started watching Doctor Who from the beginning, from an unearthly child. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't do an episode a day. I, you know, Stephen, if you're out there listening, that's, that's too hardcore. That's too steady for me. But I did make a steady progress all the way through the classic show. There was a bit of a break. I hit the skids a little during my my bogey time, which is midway through the John Pertwee era, where I do start. To, I did lose sort of the grip a little bit, lost steady lost my on. attention span. I know it's it's always been my bogey era. I, I never <laughs> quite got it. So yeah, I did drift away during that for a couple of months. But generally, yeah, I I kept it going and kept it going. I started on the first of January two thousand, and I finished. I think it was about 10, 12 days before March the 26th, 2005. So it was a couple of weeks before Christopher Eccleston made his debut as the ninth Doctor. So I, I did from an earthly child wow. right the way to the TV movie. Respect. So I couldn't have I couldn't have timed it better. Mm. And yeah, but I've never done it with the new series stuff incorporated too. And of course, now the gauntlet's been thrown down. You know, you feel, I feel this sort of yearning to try, but obviously my life is very different to how it was 20 years ago. My kids are all grown up now, and I've got various other pressures going on. I don't work those shifts now. So I, I don't think I'd be able to do this. Have we got? We, we still haven't got. Still where would got. you get? Where would you get the time? Because you know you're on the Facebook channel all the time, churning okay. out all these shows. Where would you get the time? <laughs> absolutely. And if you're enjoying this so far, apart from our little technical hitches, there, if you're enjoying it so far, please hit the like button, click the share button to get more people interacting. We've got we've got a chat sort of filling up now. And yes, please subscribe to the channel if you have the time and hit the bell. Hit the little JT, bell to, he uh, doesn't set need off time. The he's, the bell. he's got the TARDIS behind him, you see. So, you know, I, he can, no, Dan <laughs> has got the TARDIS oh, the behind Dan him. Has. So, yeah, so basically he can just flip through time backwards and forwards, mate. So you'll <laughs> find just, the time to, to, to watch it's them all. very true. I see that my, my bombshell <laughs> revelation there about my marathon struggling during the Pertwee era has not gone down well. Dropping uh -huh. off during Pertwee is bloody outrageous, says the third <laughs> doctor. Himself has popped up to give me a bollocking, as, as one would expect. Yeah. Cam Cam's just joined us. Hi, Dan. Ian, Hi, Cam Cam. Simon and JT, good to see you all. It's good to see you too, Cam Cam. Thanks. It's good to be seen. It's good to be it's seen just... after the technical issues. Hello, Facebookers. <laughs> and we've got uh, Queen Charlotte's back in the chat too. Good to she uh, see you, Charlotte. Or good Hello. to see your little icon there. Your Is that a Power Ranger? I think. Hello, Queen. Could be. Queen could Charlotte. Be, could be. A Power Ranger? Are they, are they still going? I've recently watched Time Lash and the Happiness Patrol and enjoyed them as pleasant. Well, good for you, Sarah. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, there's, there's, a lot worse. there's a lot worse. There's been a lot worse in the, in the recent future. Uh, Mega the Extremist says, I think the uh, Pertwee era is one of the best eras in the show, in the history of the show. Yeah, you know what? I've kind of changed my thinking about the Pertwee era lately. Love and yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just the, I think it's because there's a lot of six parters in, that, in the whole era. That's, that. and that's yeah, why yeah. I struggle with it. 
I yeah. find the six parters this, a little this hard. This sums going. up Pertweed. One, two, and the master with the gun, the little the little cigarette gun thing that he has. Oh, absolutely <laughs> brilliant. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've, I realise that we, we've got three hardcore Pertwee fans here. I don't know what it is about that era. I think it is just the amount of six-part stories. <laughs> what arrant nonsense the space book no. says. Oh, like well said, Sarah. Hello, lovely. <laughs> no problem. Isn't it lovely to see everybody? Hello, everybody. It's fabulous. It is. Absolutely wonderful. Got some more Got some more com comments coming. Yeah, talking about Starry-Eyed Girls, she can't be with us today and neither can another member of the Type 40 Live regular oh, yeah. crew, the regular team. And he has a very good reason for not being here today. We're talking about Barnaby Jago, everybody. He can't be here. He's Hello. out having fun with friends and family because, yes, happy birthday Barnaby Jago! <laughs> it's Barnaby's Happy birthday, birthday Barnaby! <laughs> so yeah, we want to, all of us, including including Zippy and your yes, we all want to say happy <laughs> birthday to Barnaby, and uh, we hope you're having fun this afternoon, and I uh, hope to see you back here on the show on the show soon. Oh dear, well we've got loads of comments here in the chat. <laughs> Avon lives and all the usual kind of banter that we get here on the Facebook channel. Absolutely fantastic. So yes, whatever Barnaby's up to, we hope he's having fun. We hope it's legal. Ah, no, we I don't. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Fun, kids, go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, else? what yeah. else have we got for you? This is something that you actually pointed me in the direction of JT. This is oh. legal too, as far as we as far as we know. Ooh. So yeah, if you if you're a regular viewer of the show, you'll know that uh, in the current climate, as Jodie Whittaker prepares to depart the show and depart the role of the doctor, everybody. If there is a role left to fill, we've been doing what Doctor Who fans do best. We've been speculating about who could come next and why, and the various merits of said performers. And this one is no. a suggestion from our JT, and somebody that, oh yeah, I think this is quite a good one myself, so let's, let's add this. And tell us, who's this JT, and why do you think they would make a good Doctor, presumably? Ah, no, this was this came around because this is Paul, uh, who's around on TV, um, on, on British television. Some of us will know about him. He's been and in it's... lots of different things you can see there, uh, including Doctor Who with Capaldi top left. Um, and he's done comedy as well. And I saw this um, a, a while ago when people were debating his suitability for the role. And I have to say, I had never considered this gentleman. And I just thought, oh, I'll send this to Dan to see what he thinks. Ah, <laughs> it's good. Godly, Godly, bottom left, it looks just like Kevin Godley from Godly and Cream. I thought he looked like um, somebody from Harry Potter in that film, in that picture. Yeah, okay. He's a good actor. He's a very this good is 56-year-old uh, British actor Paul Kay, everybody. And he's been a regular on British screens since the 1990s, where he sort of burst onto, the, onto yes. the scene in the air as Dennis Pennis on the Sunday show. And we didn't know at that time who he was, did we? We just knew this character uh, of Dennis Pennis. He was a kind of Ali G type character, I suppose you could say. So, he, so this guy was, was Dennis Pennis? Yeah, yeah that's right. he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he originated was, oh, that I character. That oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in the time in between, I think the I think the Sunday show probably wrapped up around 96, 97. He did a couple of videos as Dennis Pennis. He was a sort of, I, I suppose you could call him a, um, <laughs> he wasn't early, early Ali G, was he? So he'd go out getting Vox Pops. From members of the blocks, public, didn't he? And and well, go into yeah. into sort of movie premieres, wouldn't he? And he'd get yeah. onto the red carpet. No, well, he and got blocked. I mean, he did it so much and it was so successful that um the press blocked him, and that's and that's they why it, it kind of de destroyed that kind of character. But he, I mean, I think he upset. Who did he upset? He upset someone famous, did Everybody. he not? JT. 
Um, the, well, he upset Tom Cruise. That was, yeah. That was it. Yes. Was that the one? Yeah, because uh, they upset quite a few people because they didn't yeah. know that yeah. it was a character. Yeah, these, yeah. These people. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and there was an incident, where I believe, I think it was uh, with, I think it was Paul, with Joan Rivers, but she got him very quickly and turned it round. But yeah, the Tom Cruise incident, I think, was the big one. Yeah. It was. It, it did become, I mean, I thought it was fantastic, but it did actually become slightly embarrassing to watch because <laughs> it was obvious that these people didn't know that they were being set up. And you're right, Dan, he would he would sort of literally doorstep people on, on, the, on the red carpet on the way into a film premiere or something and do an interview. And they genuinely went with it and just didn't get that they were being set up so it, i suppose in that respect it was it was somewhat impolite because they were being set up to look like idiots and so you can see why eventually do, do you remember that time when he went up to um tom hanks on the the premiere of philadelphia and he went philadelphia tasty smooth <laughs> he just walked off. yeah i mean that was hilarious they probably have YouTube somewhere go and have a look at anybody that doesn't have a clue what we're talking about go and have a look at dennis penis on on youtube it's bad I, would I would imagine so batman didn't he somebody's got, got a good Batman's memory band. here we've got matt potts says he told q grant that he was a plank of wood oh yes wow yes, did I remember he? that yeah yeah wow. I remember that. yeah, yeah. But, but the, the thing we've got there we've got jfo just putting up um a comment there as well um unfortunately for us i don't think he fits the type of person the BBC is looking for for the 14th Doctor. Oh, I have yeah. to agree with that. I do have to agree with that. But you never know, you know. He doesn't yeah. tick any boxes at all. The only box he ticks, Simon, of course, is that he's an immense talent, which doesn't seem to do well, anything. If the BBC wants people to watch the show, they better, they better, they better cast someone that majority of the fans want, you know, or, or we'll, we'll get behind. Well, Everybody yeah. knows that we won't get behind another female doctor because yeah. we know that's not right it doesn't work with a female doctor so but we'll see we'll see bbc probably put another female in there you if know. you're wondering out there where you've seen yeah where you've seen paul k in the interim since dennis penis we've got yeah game of thrones he was on that for a while he was vera bit, yeah. the itv police show very, very popular show yeah. he's also been on zapped which is a fantasy comedy series a little bit like red dwarf on the dave channel Mm. lots and lots of other dramas and of course yes he was Prentice in Under the Lake and Before the Flood in the Peter Capaldi he's a good actor though well, you know I've seen, him, yeah. I've seen him in dramas he's very good well he shows his versatility by doing the comedic and by doing I mean recently he scared me to death soon as we're doing a show about Fear Factor coming up soon he played a murderer in something he did and even um, though you knew he was the murderer yeah. he played it in a very subtle calculated yeah. way um, I remember what yeah. film that was. In my view, he'd be absolutely perfect as the Doctor. Mm. And because he has the same qualities that... I've, I view him very similarly to as an actor to somebody like Tom Baker. I have no idea. When, when I see Paul Kay perform any role, you have no idea of the choices that he's going to make. Constantly surprising. He always feels like he's containing something. He's a very, very edgy actor. He's absolutely brilliant in Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais comedy yeah, show on Netflix Love at the that. moment. Yeah. He's, so, he's so sinister and yeah. obviously a deplorable man. But you cannot yeah. but like this character because of everything that Paul brings to the role. So he, he would get my vote. He's got everything yeah. I think that Colin Baker tried to bring, the, bring to the role. I think that he could too. I think Guy's back with us. Let's see if we can get him back on screen. And if you look at that, that that middle picture we had of him there, the black and white picture of Paul there, look at the eyes. Look at those eyes. Piercing, absolutely piercing. There's a story in the eyes. 
I am completely sold on the idea of Paul Kay as the doctor, whether it's the next doctor or the one after. He's the same age that Capaldi was when he took the role. But what do you think, Guy? Have you have you ever seen Paul Kay in many things? Do you, what do you think of Paul Kay as the doctor? <laughs> no, no we can't hear him. <laughs> No. This is. Oh, we can't hear you, guy. We can't hear you. The picture works okay. better, but now no sound, no sound. Now. Okay, everybody, what crazy. Uh, let's let's take a look at some of the some of the messages in the messages in the chat. He said Richard oh, Brooks dear. said he would be good. We shall have to see what the Beeb decide. Well, yeah, <laughs> wait, for the, wait for the Beeb to decide anything. We'll be here for a very, very long time at this rate. The Light Dreams, that's Alex Storer watching in the chat here. Our good friend Alex said Michael Sheen would be absolutely fantastic, yes, he would. He'd be providing there's that complete change of showrunner and writing team. Of course, hasn't he hinted he's um, fed up with acting now and wants to do something else? Yeah, he has a bit. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. I don't. I'm not surprised either because he was one of the, the, the. Some of these actors are getting brave now, and especially some of the comedians in the United Kingdom this week are getting brave and coming out saying, "I'm fed up with this cancel culture malarkey." And I think he was one of them. We've had Jennifer Saunders this week as well, the, grabbing all the headlines, doing the same thing. Jennifer, Jennifer Saunders was very brave in speaking out against that, and so was Kevin Hart. You know, he's yeah. another guy who's in a very uh, privileged yeah. position there. Uh, kind of, I don't know if he's an A-lister, but he's certainly a B-plus lister. Kevin Hart's an A-list. Kevin Hart's A-list. Now, I think yeah. he's certainly certainly getting there. The kind of person that when he speaks, people people listen because he makes well, he makes very entertaining films, doesn't he? Guy, mm. give us a hand signal. Can we can we hear you? Give us a nice hand signal, Guy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's no, terrible. Okay, <laughs> Guy, I like your you. K9. Show us your K9. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 don't be hitting him here. Set K9 oh. on the problem. K9 will sort it for you. <laughs> Let's instead console ourselves with a visit to the shores of the island of nostalgia that we, we love to there take you back to. Every single week here on the Facebook channels, Type 40 Harry's Live gone. with Simon Horton. You're going to open the 500-year diary for us, Simon, and Hang find on. out Hang what's on. happened on Doctor Who history on this day. <laughs> That's it. Brace yourself, JT. We're coming in. Okay? Ready? Yes! Go. Right, take him off, JT. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what have you got for us this time then, Simon? Yes, On this yes, day, JT's Doctor Who JT's favourite uh, favorite sound effect there tells us <laughs> it's time for a bit more time travelling back through the decades. Uh, and as always, as always, we start with um, start with a few episodes from yesteryear. Oh, we've got Guy back oh, with yeah. us. Can we hear you yet, yeah, Guy? Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Okay. Hear me. Just in time. Yeah. Just in time. We can hear you as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> in time. Take it. So, yeah, which, which stories so are we going back? We're going back. Um, <laughs> we're going back fifty-two years to begin wow. with, okay. because last Sunday, just gone, we said goodbye to the Second Doctor in the War Games episode ten, mm. and forty-eight years ago tomorrow. We were saying goodbye to Katie Manning in the Green Death episode wow. six. Don't so we've got a couple of sort of sad, hit, sad sort of departures this week. So yes, last Sunday it was uh, yeah 1969, 52 years since the War Games episode ten, and uh, tomorrow 1973 we saw episode six of the Green Death as a goodbye to Katie Manning. Wow. A lot of love for, for. I mean, these are legends, aren't they? Both of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Too, Look at the guy she went off with, though. Look at him. 
Jesus. <laughs> what the hell's that all about? <laughs> so remind, remind us who that was that uh, that Joe Grant was was leaving the doctor's company for, Simon. Yeah, that was that was Professor Jones. Um, <laughs> Professor Stuart Jones Dan. looks very different. <laughs> Definitely yeah. Professor Jones. And from the valleys, um, mm. uh, where they all watch probably come. And uh, that's bad. That's the end of my Welsh. <laughs> Sorry for anybody watching. I don't. <laughs> no these are two. Me. These are two of the most most emotional and kind of underplayed as well. Strangely underplayed departures in Doctor Who history. I think JT, do you wipe away a tear when you watch these? I think many fans do. Well, I, I might have done if I was old enough at the time, or certainly there in the, at the time with Troughton. But because you know it's there now, you know you grow up with it. I don't actually shed a tear. I, I love the two episodes where they, where they disappear. Um, I, I'm more attached to Sarah Jane, as the space bookers will know. So the Hand yeah. of Fear gets me more than the Green Death. But I can watch these two stories. And Simon, just to learn that these they're that they're that old. I'm going to use the word they're that old. It is a bit of a shock, isn't it? Because you watch them, you can go back. It is, it is a bit of a shocker when you put it like that. Um, you know, I realise I was one when uh, the episode of the War Games was transmitted. So it kind of, yeah, it kind of puts you in perspective. Guy, what about you? Have you, because I know there's a lot of classic Doctor you haven't even seen. Have you seen <gasps> either of the War Games or the Green Death? No, not at all. No, it's on the list. It's got to yeah. be. So just to fill you in, I haven't seen stuff up to and including yet, so... Pertwee, Hartnell, uh, all right up to Tom Baker, halfway through Tom Baker's run. I've still got a fresh view of all the new stuff, or new stuff, old stuff that's going to be new to me for the first time. Mm. Oh, oh, you've got to, you, you, you need to be investing in those Blu-ray box sets and, and, and start no. to... Now, once the pandemic's all over, we're going to get together and do runs, big like Doctor Who watch parties. <laughs> <laughs> I envy anybody who's got classic Doctor Who in particular left to mm. see. I, I really, really do. I agree. I agree with that as well. It's um, it, it's it's bringing a, a whole different sense of magic to new people who haven't seen it, and and through that you can see how bad the new version is. You, you, you're right, JT. And I know, I know. When Guy told me a couple of months ago that there was huge chunks of classic Who that he hadn't so, seen, and I was like, I was so envious of him because I'd give anything to be able to sort of go back. And, yeah. and, and be able to see some of this with fresh eyes that I've never seen the stuff before because it is a voyage of discovery. I yeah. want some mad so. fan to go back and take the Troughton era and colorize it and put new effects in it and stuff like that. I want some mad fan to do that. Someone that's really great at visual, visual effects, go and do that because the BBC is never going to do it. Well, I tell you, yeah, I do it. like I was saying a little bit earlier, Ian, I, you know, I mm. commented up on Facebook recently that, that, that there are people out there doing colorization. Can't yeah. we have some colorization on some yeah. Blu ray box sets? And I was told in no uncertain terms, no, it ain't going to happen. So stop wishing for it. And I'm like, is that, is that the BBC that said that? Um, Simon, uh, no comment. On that <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's disappointing to hear. Before we had the technical issues at the top of the show, it's disappointing to hear that the the the, the, um, the collection Blu-ray box sets won't have those coloured versions or updated stuff. You know, because we we all want it and we're all holding out for it, and that would be lovely. I mean, the thing we showed at the well, top of the show from Invasion yeah. of Dinosaurs is gorgeous. I know, yeah. and I kind of think with with fans doing this stuff, okay, it might not be yeah. in, in the best. In, the, in, in HD quality, but at least put them on the Blu-rays and let people view for themselves. Guy, would it put you off watching? If there's a lot of black and white stuff you haven't watched. Would it put you off watching yeah. the black and white stuff? It wouldn't put me off, no. Good. But Because I'd like to watch it also in, in the 
in the way it was made. Yeah. I want to get involved in that and enveloped in that. You know, I want it in the black and white. I want to feel how you would have yeah. felt when you first saw it. Yeah. The brilliant, thing about the, the brilliant thing about the black and white things, though, Guy, is they are, you can see not only how production techniques were at the time, but you can actually feel the atmosphere. You get into the story more. I mean, there is this old myth that, um, you know, you know, things creep up in you and they do. The Cybermen appear from the darkness. Yeah. The Daleks, you know, it, 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 the Fury from the Deep must have been superb. Uh, that's a friend of mine's uh, most favorite story and the one that scared him to death. Um, you know, but that must have been amazing at the time in black and white. You know, it's just... But Simon, just imagine, you know, I, I agree what you're saying, you know, we're, we, we're old enough now, but we had our time discovering these things. You remember running in at Saturday at yeah. sort of like quarter to five and stuff like that, and your mum shouting for you or whatever, yeah, that show's coming on, you know? <laughs> you know. Well, absolutely, and I can remember that with the Green Death episode six. I remember Katie Manning leaving at the end of that oh. episode, and that was yeah, the point I was definitely becoming obsessed I by don't know. I, I do, when I watched the Pertwee, my my lovely box set yeah. hurt we think i love watching the up-to-date effects yeah and, I yeah do. i mean i remember yeah. i remember I let me just see the original and i watched it, one of the episodes of the original and i'm thinking no i'm gonna go to, to the new yeah. effects because it just kind yeah. of enhances it makes it makes it better in my opinion even though like who uh, one of the time lords with the with the bowler hat he was floating in the air and you look mm -hmm. at the original yeah. scene yeah it was bad really bad and you could, it's still bad, but it's it's slightly better than new effects. Do you know what I mean? Because there's yeah, not I much agree. they can do, you know. At, but, at the time, it was state of the art. But yeah. it's great to have the alternative versions there yeah. on everything. So you've got those little bits, you know. And yeah. great. It's good. But do you know what, what about that gets me? The CGI versions that they're putting out now will be dated in 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, just, they just will. Like at least the, the effects edition. will be better. <laughs> just, well, that's what you we know? thought about the special edition of The Five Doctors back in the 90s. Now that looks even worse than the broadcast version. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're bringing that out yeah. on 4K. They're bringing that out on 4K. And they still oh, got the early whippy thing. They still no, left no, that no, in, the no. thing. We'll what have to see. Crinkling doubloon here in yeah. the chat meant, says that they'll colorize them when they want us to buy them again. Yeah. And yeah. Got, that's Definitely. a recurring comment. Cynicism, Definitely. everybody, you could say, but not without some justification. If they want the black and white seasons to sell well on Blu-ray, they, they would need to color them. That's a big claim from Disaster yeah. Area. I'm not sure that follows I myself. Need... I think a lot of us feel the way that Guy feels about them, that the original experience is well worth having in itself, Simon. Oh, yeah. yeah it was yeah. a different experience, though, when you see it colorized. I mean, I mean, Simon, uh, what is it? Uh, that clip that we saw where it's colorized, it just makes you want to watch it again. I don't know, yeah, for me anyway, just for me. Mm -hmm. I, I'd love to see all of them colorized, especially the um, William Hartnell era. I think I this is how it. I feel about it, Guy, that choice is great. Keep the originals and yeah. have new effects. Yeah. So the yeah. choice yeah. is there, colorizations as yeah. well. As somebody who's just sort of discovering a lot of this vintage content, that's a good way of, of covering all bases, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is yeah, definitely. Simon, Simon and I were talking a while back about Sapphire and Steel. Ah. And it was cheap set. But it when was. you watch it... You never noticed any of that. You were so into the story yeah, and, the yeah. acting, and the acting, the narrating. Yeah. But then, good storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Didn't matter yeah. about the wobbly sets. You didn't see that. Of course. The brain did filter the rest in. But I tell well, you what, with Set Sapphire and Steel, the performance was absolutely brilliant oh, from yeah. Dave yes. McCallum and from, um, and from uh, John Lumley. Yeah, they're amazing. Classic. And, that Classic was the thing actors. that carried the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People with people yeah. with clout, people with credibility. Talking of which, Simon, we've got we've got some other people to mention. Yeah, 
yeah, we have. The diary, yeah, 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 we have. Moving on to uh, to birthdays uh, in this week. Um, Guy, you might have seen this one. Have you seen Terminus? Mm-hmm. Ever watched Terminus? No, no talking, talking of good storytelling, not talking of good storytelling, really. Terminus basically, Mary Rich, who directed Terminus, would have been um, would have been her birthday tomorrow. She died in two thousand, bless her, aged seventy five. Mm. Um, any love for Terminus out there? Not one of my favourites. I have to be honest. It's I can watch it. I can watch it. I like Nissa. I like her performance in that. You know, I can watch it quite happily. I like some nice two. I like the first two parts. Yeah, largely because JT of the TARDIS scenes. I like all yeah. that innovation there. It's Episode something a little different good. that we've never seen before, I think. Yeah. Episode it, good. I think down. it was I think it was a two part story at the very, very most. I, I would have really? swapped out I would have swapped out that and I'd I'd have had another two episodes of the King's Demons instead myself, but that you know <laughs> of anything else really. <laughs> so I think Stephen Gallagher, yeah, I think he was sort of over I don't know what it was with the writing. I don't think it was the direction because Mary Ridge has directed plenty of other stuff that I really like. I, I think, think it was the I honestly think it was the story, and I'll tell you why I think it was the story. Recently, I've been listening to the audio book. Um, Stephen Gallagher has written a new version yeah. of the novel, and that's being read by a guy who's Stephen Pacey. Yeah. And uh, as an audio book for the BBC, and I listened to all four and a half hours of that, and it near damn killed me. And I thought, do you know what? I actually, no, the problem with this story is it is just really depressing. It's dull. It's, 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 joyless that's what it is it's joyless story um yeah. and so to me i don't think it's anything to do with the direction i think it's down and mary Lynch, bless her had enormous problems it's one of those same as warrior's gate it's one of those stories that nearly didn't even get to the screen they had so many problems with it there um, was a particular actor who was in terminus not so much as the stories either side uh, who we lost on this day or roundabouts in 1985 too wasn't it yeah, there was Valentine Dial, bless him, who played the Black Guardian in, of course, um, Terminus, uh, died in 1985, aged 77. Um, bless him, he died, and also played Captain Slan in Slipback. And, of course, most famously, he played Deep Thought in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 42. <laughs> <laughs> And I was lucky enough to see him at Longleat 1983. He was there as part of the Davison panel. Um, and I can famously remember somebody asking him if, what he thought about having a dead crow stuck to the top of his head, uh, <laughs> as, as, we, as we see in the, in the picture there. And up on the left-hand side, bless him, um, in 2010, we lost Pennant Roberts, aged 69. Um, Pennant Roberts was the director of Face of Evil, Sunmakers, The Pirate Planet, one of my personal favourites, Warriors of the Deep, um, one of Sarah's personal favourites, I think, Time Lash, and also Sharda that, that we never saw. Um, so I think he's kind of a bit... I know he was um, he was Louise Jameson's famous uh, favourite director, mm-hmm. Louise Jameson, yeah, which used to sure. rave about uh, Pennant Roberts. I think he's a bit of a workman-like director, I must be honest. It doesn't really stand out for me in any particular Massive way. Massive contribution, though, Simon, to both Doctor Who and Blake Seven and, and various other things. The Blake Seven, Blake Seven, Juliet Bravo, Survivors, yeah. The Aneedon Line, Howard's Way, Tenko, Doomwatch. He did them all. I mean, for God's sake, that's that's one accomplished guy. Um, so, so you know, we have absolute respect for for, for Pennant Roberts, um, and um, also uh, uh, another birthday. 
Um, on Friday, Roger Murray Leach, the, the designer, will be 78 on Friday. Now, he is my absolute wow. who's hero for this week. He is, I think, probably the best designer ever to work on the show. I would, I huge, would huge career as well, hasn't he, Simon? Huge career. <laughs> Massive career. For Doctor Who, he designed the Ark in Space and Revenge of the Cybermen, obviously using the two sets, the, the very clever reuse of the, of the Ark set. He designed the Sontar Experiment, Planet of Evil, for which he nearly won a BAFTA for because yes, of the design of the, yep. uh, of the incredible jungle that they shot on film. The Seeds of Doom, Talons of Winchayak, I mean, this is like a roll call of absolute classic stuff. And my personal favourite, The Deadly Assassin. Uh, and we've got so much to thank for The Deadly Assassin. For, we've got thank, to thank Roger for, because yep. right the way through the classic years, then his design followed all the way through whenever we came back to Gallifrey. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I remember The Deadly Assassin. And there was so that design, that, that, that sort of the panopticon, the glinting green, uh, yeah, audacious, audacious, sumptuous, and full of texture. All of his design work, wherever it is, you can follow his career, and it's always his trademark. It just seems next level compared to his contemporaries at the BBC at the time. Spot yeah. on, and of course, and of course, we have him to thank for the Seal of Rassilon, which 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 first appeared in Revenge of the Cybermen, but then went on to become the Seal of Rassilon for the Time yeah. Lords, and that's still going. So, so we've got him to thank for that, and we've also let's not forget Roger Murray Leach was the guy who took Tom Baker to hospital when he broke <laughs> his collarbone on the Sontaran ah. experiment, Is that and the right? only reason. He, the only reason he took him to hospital was because nobody else was available. Because it was shot on location, there was very little design work needed. So literally, they said, who's standing around not doing much? The designer, right, you're taking him to hospital. Uh, and so Roger Murray Leach took him to hospital and uh, looked after him while he was in hospital. We've got him to thank for that. So he's my absolute hero. Happy of the birthday, hours. Roger. You're a big, uh, big hero to all of us here at Type 40. We salute you, Roger. <laughs> And we've got one more thing. Oh, yeah, this too, Simon. What's tell yeah. us about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very finally, 2004. I think this was the first time Doctor Who appeared on Mastermind. Um, I've tried to find it on YouTube. You can find a few of the Doctor Who Mastermind. I have uh, found it. The, the link is in the description of the video for people who want to watch it after Type 40 Live, everybody. After we've finished, go and watch this and go and see how many you get right or wrong or whatever. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how you managed to find it, Dan. I, I hunted it down and couldn't get it. Could find some of them, but not this one. So I will definitely go and uh, uh, go and give that one a go and, and see how many points I get. I should imagine I'll get about two points. I would imagine two points. <laughs> yes, it's a notoriously difficult show, I think. How do you think you would fare, guys, on, on Mastermind? What do you think, Guy? What would your specialist era be? Or specialist character? Oh, oh it's, it's going to be from, yeah, like Tom Baker... Uh, Sylvester McCoy, Peter Davison. I've got a fondness for that era completely. I just think he does such a good job. Um, so yeah, Peter Davison, I'll go with. There is there is this consideration, Ian, where apparently when you sit in that big leather chair on Mastermind, your mind sort of empties, the tension gets to you, and uh, <laughs> the dark studio. Do you think you could keep your composure in the Mastermind chair? Nope, not at all. Me neither. Me neither. Didn't they do the other one? What's the other show, um, Simon? You must know it. They did that Doctor Who special. The Weakest the one Link. With, 
Oh, and it's like the weakest yeah, link. Yeah, they did really that good. as well, didn't they? Yeah. They and they've done a Doc Two special of that awful one with with Alexander. Whatever it's oh, pointless. That's pointless. Yeah. Oh, it was pointless. <laughs> yeah. 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 But K9 was on the weakest link. Guy, you'd have been chuffed. I don't know whether you saw. Uh... Yes, they eliminated him because he was too good. <laughs> oh, how could they do that? They yep. just uh, too. They all voted him off, didn't they? Because they knew he'd answer everything. Yeah. Is that right? Cruelty, cruelty yes. to animals, everybody. Cruelty to animals. Yes, so yeah, absolutely. You... Go and check out the Doctor Who Mastermind special from 2005. The link is in the description. Go and watch it, play along, and let us know. Let us know how you do. But that does that wraps up the uh, on this day section for now. Bra- brace yourself, JT. Let's get the girl. Get the here we are. Hey. <laughs> Never let it be said we don't have fun on this show. Oh, you don't get hey. this on Radio Free Scaro, do you, everybody? What do you think? What do you think of that? Keep them coming, everybody. Yeah, we've got people still talking about Roger Murray Leach and the Black Guardian, people reminiscing here till their hearts are content. I think we should look at some pretty pictures, everybody. Let's get some pretty pictures. Pretty pictures. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some are really, really pretty. <laughs> like uh, some are really, really pretty. Love that. But pretty I part. think that this, this is Ooh. the prettiest thing I think I've seen this week. This is the front cover to the new vinyl release from Demon Records. So this is the narrated TV soundtrack. That's right, isn't it? Of the lost, totally lost in this case, four-part adventure. So on set in ancient Greece, starring William Hartnell as the Doctor. Uh, it's uh, Maureen O'Brien's last story as Vicky, of course. And the entire thing's narrated by Peter Purvis. It's going to be released on coloured vinyl, everybody. This wonderful gatefold sleeve, like an old concept album, prog rock style from the 70s. It's out on the 27th of August, yeah, 2021. This is a series of... A whole line of merchandise, sorry, that I really wish I'd got on, on board for. You know, particularly now I've got a turntable again. Do you collect these, JT? What do you, what do you make of the vinyls? Um, I think they're great for people who want them. Personally, no, I don't, because um, I've got the original CD soundtracks from many, many years yeah, ago okay. from the BBC. So I didn't want to go down this route. Also because, you know, uh, I wouldn't listen to them. They would stay in a wrapper. And at the price they're going for, I just thought, hang on a minute, I don't have the room. I don't have the patience to get all these. I mean, h- how many more are going to come out? Because we've, we've even they're had... obviously going to do them all, aren't they, mate? <laughs> well, I think so. Because, you know, we had Horror of the Fang, Horror of Fang Rock out recently, didn't we? So they're obviously going to do stories that were are complete and already on DVD. I did buy Destiny of the Daleks when that came out for Record Store Day a few years ago, but that's simply because I thought it was a one-off to go with Genesis of the Daleks. Um, but no, I, no you, you sometimes as a collector, because you know, because of costs and, and everything like this, you have to make judgments, don't you? And, and I decided not yeah. to, to go on this one. Yeah, of course. I think it's a yeah. We've got a bit of a cross section of opinions here watching in the chat. I think that's the that's the thing. I I think most people wouldn't get them out of the wrappers. They'd more likely put them in a frame, Ian, with artwork like that. Yeah. Have you joined the vinyl revol- or re-revolution, Ian? Nope. <laughs> nope. To, to the I, MP3s. I, I, yeah, the MP3s or whatever. You know, I don't really see the point of vinyls anymore. Um, anyway. Whatever. I think they're largely <laughs> for people. It's like you say, JT. I think they're largely for people to look at, and I do yeah, get it yeah. if you've if you've got the money burning the hole in your pocket. And they, I would imagine, they look lovely on a shelf. Probably, I say, nice framed. How, how much 50? are they? 
around 50 quid. I haven't, got a price, I haven't got a price on that one yet, but they're around 40 to 50 pounds. Some of them are yeah. more. The, obviously, the Dalek Master Plan one, that was across about six or seven discs. This, yep. is, uh, this is just across two discs, 150 grams of vinyl, Trojan Sunset Splatter Discs, yeah, we That's have to point out on that, that these are, these are uh, our picture discs, and they're clear vinyl with an artistic impression on, the, on this thing. Yeah, um, and, and this one happens to just be like, you know, in the orange. Um, so, yeah, that's why they're collectible in a sense, because they're each different. We've got uh, Disaster Area says, did they do a Cyberman one on silver discs? I think Cyberman stories, I think they have released some already. I've lost track of how many of these have come out. But, yeah, so, two yeah, of the Cyberman came out on vinyl. Oh, there we go. It's definitely growing. The artwork is always beautiful. From artwork, from traditional artwork to, to waxwork, everybody. We're going to go for a break in a moment. Ooh. The traditional Type 40 Live break, of course we are. But before we go, here's something for you to think about while you watch those glorious adverts. So, yes, you may have seen this. This is the notorious Tom Baker waxwork that was on display <laughs> in Madden Two Swords from 1980 through to 1981. Now, we've seen this so many times, mostly in publicity pictures for The Five Doctors, strangely enough, from 1983. Yep. We've all seen, we've all remarked upon how little it actually seems to look like Tom Baker in all the pictures that we've seen. <laughs> Believe it or not, that despite living on in our memories and in the, in the, connected to The Five Doctors the way it is, the thing was only on display at Madame Tussauds, Simon, for just 10 months. So all that effort oh, for just is that 10 all? Months. I was very lucky enough to see it. It's because it looks like I don't like him. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you, everybody out there watching in the chat while we watch the ads, I want you to tell me which waxwork replaced Tom Baker at Madame Two Swords in 1981. I'll give you one clue. It was another celebrity, and it was another person with curly hair with curly hair. So you think on that. Watch the watch the ads if they were here. Are they ready? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually put, have I put the ads up? Doesn't look like I have. Doesn't it's going like so well. Oh, no. I can't believe how badly this week has gone. Unbelievable. <laughs> bear with me. Don't bear with me one It's not bear live. With me we'll fix it one, in the end. Bear with me one moment. I loved that Doctor Who exhibition at Madden Two Swords, though. It was really good. And, and Tom was in, in the history books for a little while because he was the only person to have two waxworks of himself at the same time because he had himself as the fourth Doctor and he had Megloss as the fourth Doctor uh, in the yeah. same exhibition. You also had Romana played by Lala Ward. You had a K9, you had a Sultaran, you had a Dalek, you had a, whole, a, a Nime on there. Um, so yeah, it, it was obviously. Little... I remember the Fumazi made a wax. Well, that was the Fumazi, yeah. And there was a canine guy, guy for you. There was a canine. Yeah. I don't think he was yeah. made of wax. No, he was made of some sort of, I remember tapping him and it was some sort of wood. Um, but, but it was a great exhibition. Wooden canine. The thing that I remember most, most about that exhibition was the Sontaran um, because they got a little mock-up of the inside of, of a Sontaran spaceship. Um, which was fantastic. They got a little, he was sitting down. If you remember JT, the Sontaran yes. was sitting like down. At, at his, yeah. Um, at his at his controls inside the inside the sphere spaceship. Did anybody Absolutely. else go? Are you and I the only two to go, JT? Nobody else go. No, we, we're probably the only ones old enough to go. <laughs> but it was fun, and it was coming off the back of the fact that you know, um, Facebook is. It was coming off the fact that, of course, the day that Tom was there to announce the 
the, to the press that, oh, look, there's a Madden Two Swords uh, exhibition. Madden Two Swords lost all the press because it was leaked on that day that Tom was leaving the show. So they had to do the, the, the press call and all this sort of stuff. And what came in the day after was pictures of Tom with himself and a Megloss saying goodbye to the show. Um, so they sort of lost some of the momentum there. But it was a huge hit. Hang on Ooh. a minute. Okay. Oh. Yes, we've had to resort to this, everybody. Uh, okay, so here we are. This is the ad break. As I was saying, I want you to have a think about who replaced Tom Baker in Madden Two Swords back in 1981 after just that 10 months on display. We're going to watch the adverts, listen and watch to this lot and have a think about that question. Supreme, high in protein, to satisfy a cat's appetite for life. High protein, kitty cat. You couldn't have a fitter cat. Frustrating, isn't it? When you need an any-purpose loan, but don't know who to talk to about unlocking the capital tied up in your property. Even if you're self-employed, consider yourself to have a low credit rating, divorced, or retired. Don't worry, because Ocean Finance hold the key. Call 0800 858 858 and Ocean could help you. Ocean loans can be used for any purpose, and all circumstances will be considered. You may wish to improve your home, or buy a newer car, or simply consolidate all your existing debts into just one manageable monthly payment. There are no interviews, no arrangement fees, and no salesperson will call. So for that homeowner loan, call now. You'll be under no obligation, and you could secure the loan you need. Call Ocean Finance now on 0800 858 858. That's 0800 858 858. And next tonight at 7, the news. Followed at 7.30 by Dr. Newt, and then at 8, it's soap opera time in soap. Followed at 8.30. Oh, yes! The revolution has started. The TV revolution. It's called Home Choice. With Home Choice, there is no program schedule. Home Choice lets me watch exactly what I want from a huge selection of TV programs, music videos, and films exactly when I want. I've seized control. So can you. Right, that's it. I'm calling security. Um, what's your name? Don't tell him, Steve. <laughs> Ow! The presentation of Doctor Who is made possible in part by Hot Dog Heaven, serving Chicago's Vienna beef hot dogs, Polish sausage, shrimp, and more. Located on County Road 9 at Mishawaka Road in Elkhart. Hot Dog Heaven. I want to go to Hot Dog Heaven. I'm in Hot Dog Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? It's I love the way the Americans... Americans say Doctor Who. They go, Doctor Who. Doctor. I'm a, I'm doctor, a vegetarian, and even I want to go to hot dog heaven. <laughs> yeah, I want to go hot dog heaven. <laughs> Let's catch up and see what's going on in the chat. Yes, lots of other people. Mm, hot dogs. I think we've yes, sent people off, off for their tea. David, such a ham, says Vanessa Law. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think it was encouraged to make a big dog. impact. 
in quite a short period of time. What's that hat all about? That's that's just not suiting him at all. <laughs> the citizen, citizen John citizen Smith. Kane. Yeah, it's trying to be yeah. Citizen Kane, really, kind of thing, wasn't Ooh. it? So. But very cracking skinny, adverts yeah. there. We hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. We have, yes, we're going to get back to that question. I asked you, let's get this up. Yes, I asked you. This was the oh. the famous Tom Baker waxwork from 1981, just 10 months on display at Madame Two Swords. Which personalities waxwork replaced it? Have we got any answers at all in the chat? I don't think we have. Anybody in the panel want to take a punch? Bella Renberg and Cher. They'd need a lot, a lot of wax for Bella, wouldn't they? They definitely, definitely would. <laughs> a lot of wax for that lady. Uh, we haven't mentioned Cher for a while. Cher! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's a reason for no that. answers for that. Okay. Was he prepare yourselves, prepare yourselves, everybody. Back oh. to 1981. Replace Tom Baker in Madden 2. Yeah. So it wasn't a singer. Oh, no. He has. He has had a record out. He has. <laughs> I think he has been heard. He has recorded something. But, no, it was uh, John McEnroe, everybody. Yeah, McEnroe. The, uh, international Ooh. tennis oh, ace from back in the yeah. day. Which one's which? Although <laughs> 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 when I last heard he was a commentator, and I understand that he has put something down on vinyl. He does fancy himself as a bit of a crooner, Ian. Mm. Am I well, the I only know. one? Am I the only one that thinks Madame Two Swords waxworks never look anything like the person they're supposed to look like? I've no, no, seen some no. absolute crackers. Yes, but, yeah, uh, some some are good. Some are good. <laughs> Yeah. I haven't yeah, seen not... one that's any good. Not one. <laughs> Never. Well, the Fomacy was quite good. That, that Fomacy looked felt like a Fomacy. That was brilliant, that oh, one. Yeah, that's fair point. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Craig one like looked good. Daniel that, Craig one looked okay. like Daniel Craig. It's quite good. So. Yeah, the, they've, got a whole, they've got all the bonds, haven't they, Ian? Yeah, they have, yeah. Daniel have Craig they? one looks good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, talking Maybe film stars. These days, when we were kids, I'm, I'm sure they were just made out of old candles. <laughs> Talk, talking of film stars, it's time for our feature presentation, everybody. This is yes, this is what we put on the thumbnail. So I wanted to talk to you about the nature of fear, everybody, about the way in which Doctor Who has shivered your timbers over the decades. Man and boy, everybody here, certainly in, in the chat, boy. girl and woman too. Yes. So the reason why I'm asking you about this is down to this guy. This is the 49-year-old British director, film director, Ben Wheatley, and uh, you've probably seen some of his films, if you like a scare or two. He's got a new one coming out soon. That is uh, In the Earth there on the right. That's the one of the many disgusting, revolting, chilling posters for In the Earth. That's out very, very soon. So he's out doing some publicity for it. Now, he's made several films over the last 10, 12 years. The Kill List, Sightseers, Free Fire, and that awful version of High Rise, <laughs> which made Paradise oh. Towers look amazing. So he made that. But he also directed Deep Breath and Into the Dalek for Doctor Who back in 2014. So there is a link here. But yeah, in this film, it's a sort of post-pandemic themed folk horror thing. And he cited his influences as Quatermass, The Blair Witch Project, and 70s Doctor Who, everybody. So we've got Woo! a quote here from ben. Quote here from Ben, and he says there's, uh, when, he, when pushed for more details about the uh, iconic classic version of the show in particular, which he says directly inspired this, the look of this particular film, he says there's something about 
and maybe that just means about my own childhood. There's something about 70s stuff that I've always found really mm -hmm. sinister. And the idea of just remembering those old Doctor Whos, just the idea of remembering them makes me afraid in a way beyond the actual how they were executed. Just mm -hmm. the feeling of that makes me scared. They're potent words, aren't they, Ian? As a filmmaker, that's probably what you seek to sort of promote in people when you make a film, when you commit it to celluloid or whatever. You want people to be shivered and to be scared and, and to affect them on a, a sort of a fundamental level, don't you? And maybe bring up something subliminal or something from their childhood. Well, you mean making a horror film? Of yeah, course. if you're making a horror movie, if you're making course, any kind yeah, of film. You, you, you want to scare them. You know, but I've I've never I've never there's only two horror films that's actually ever scared me uh when okay. I was quite young was The Exorcist and The Omen, and that was it oh. really. All the other films have just kind of made you jump in it because they had loud noises and they made you jump. Blair Witch was something else though, that was crazy. But um, as I said, the Hollywood films, Exorcist and, and The Omen was the, the two films that actually actually scared me as 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 a as a young'un. But um I don't I don't rate Ben Wheatley though. That's the my as a, as you a talked a little bit about the about the Tom Baker era being your era, the late Tom Baker era, era guy, and, and that childhood association. Did it yeah. come with with scares for you as well? Did you hide behind the sofa watching Doctor Who too? Well, I think JT, you mentioned earlier about the hand of fear. I remember it flashed all memory. I remember being so young that the hand was on the screen and Sarah was in the background petrified i remember i couldn't be in the room i remember going in <laughs> um so i don't remember watching that i just remember that but it's um state of decay for me that, ah. That, ah. as a little wow. lad uh state of decay because it was vampires vampires would be romana and the doctor were so omnipotent almost they were so amazing and to be vulnerable as they were to me they were vulnerable especially when romana went off on her own I'm like, oh no, they're gonna get her and <laughs> red for these characters. It doesn't matter, Time Lords. You've still got yeah. blood and you're still gonna be drunk. Yeah. yeah. Could the craft of it be being then, JT, how I look at it is the director, well, the, the, you've obviously got the script, you've got the director who brings it to life and mm. creates the world and the bubble for that four or six weeks, if we're talking about classic Doctor Who, or, or it could be just one or two weeks in, in new Doctor Who. So they create that effect and then they bring it to life with things like jump scares and really visual big or, or small actually but key visual statements and moments that do burn themselves into your brain and stay with you for decades they can be they can be sort of detached as ben was saying from the story itself and can even lose context over decades can't they they, they can i think the difference we've got there is what ben ben is saying there um in the quote is is 1970s doctor who and, and we're going to go through some stuff here. Obviously, a lot of stuff that I remember from Doctor Who is from the 70s that had an impression on me and frightened me. The, the huge difference you've got now, and if we're talking in the context of Doctor Who, Ian, I'm not going to talk about horror films, but certainly in the context of Doctor Who, is that back then, nobody gave a toss. And the whole thing about it was, as Robert Holmes used to say, is scare the little buggers. And yeah. that's what they went yeah. out to do. You <laughs> would never do that in Doctor Who now. You wouldn't do it now because you'd be too worried about scaring the precious little darlings and about putting the fear of God into them, you know, over something. Because somebody somewhere would complain. 
so the, the very the very sort of lame now when i think about that you know um i agree i think that's the difference the, you know and the fact that you know we treated children and i was a child in the 70s and we were treated like children and we were given the thrills of being a child you know you know nothing was off the table as it were there was no wrapping in cotton wool if you fell down your script you're like get on with it you know if you went to a party and you had passed the parcel and there was nothing at the end of the parcel well that's life for you and it's exactly it's exactly the same with doctor who yeah, I it's like true. I, I agree from... with I agree with JT. I mean, it, the, those kind of things make me who make us who we are now. You know, tolerant of scares, tolerant of this, tolerant of that. And now they've taken it away from kids. Yeah, yeah. See what I mean, got? Ian, I, I have like to tell you. I, 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 let's just look at this comment a moment from from okay. the talents of Wayne Chiang. He says, according to my mom, I peed my pants when I first saw Davros in Genesis yeah. of the Daleks. Oh. I was three at the time. But don't tell anyone. But JT, he was scary, like Dan. Yeah, Dan, he was he scary. Was. He had no eyes. He had one hand, and he had an eye in the middle of his forehead. How scary is that to a kid? <laughs> Come on. It's true. And then they went and ruined him in the in the in the yeah, in the most yeah. recent series. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you, yeah. I tell you something, Ian. The difference was as Doctor Who fans in the seventies and eighties, we'd seen it all. When I went, to, when I first saw Alien, didn't scare me because I thought, oh god, the Doctor's been here before. You know, um, I mean, we've had yeah. we've had uh, the Ark in Space get over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wherever you go, Doctor Who's been there, been there, beaten you to it before. But if I just may say something, Dan, I think the reason why we were scared so much is because Doctor Who in those days, especially Tom Baker's era, and um, well, a bit of John, per well, actually a lot of John Pertwee, it was all shot on video. And when you shoot something on video of that quality, there's something real about it. Do you know what I mean? It feels kind of real. It feels like it's yeah. something other than a movie. And that kind of contributes to why us as kids were scared as well, because there was something, I don't know, and it wasn't film. It was, it just felt like it could happen, do you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were, we well, were really scared when we were kids. Sapphire and Steel, as somebody mentioned, you know, we weren't Doctor as wise, Who. Were we, Ian? We, yeah. we weren't as wise in the seventies. It was all brand new television. It yeah. had never been done before. You know, it, it's, it's all I been was, round, round, round. Then. Yeah. I was born in, I was born in 1973. Oh, and uh, and so <laughs> when the 70s so yeah i'm i consider myself more more an 80s kid yeah i'm an 80s but kid as well i saw a lot of these iconic doctor who moments when i was mm. very young and very impressionable i mean for example mm. nothing scared me more at that time than the the video that original promo to bohemian rhapsody the queen video with the uh, the heads disappearing off into the distance and getting bigger and smaller <laughs> and to me as a kid it seemed like Ian on top of the pops no. that, they, that they were screaming in pain all these no. voices. but at the same time but at the same time in 1975 <laughs> i must have been watching the tv everybody uh, quite <laughs> regularly and to a and to a set sort of routine a set pattern because my my very first memory of doctor who that actually comes from 1975 and comes from a moment just like this it's a moment that lived in my head for decades afterwards i knew it was from doctor who because i told myself that i'd i'd uh, witnessed this scene and over time it's kind of as ben wheatley says there it it was it's I'd sort of added to it in my memory. It was almost as if that I didn't want to forget it, even though it terrified me. So all I remembered was a, a little cottage and the doctor 
oh, yeah. it was the doctor because of his scarf and because Tom Baker was still the doctor for years afterwards. But the doctor in his long scarf in a little cottage and he mm -hmm. was there, he was holed up with Sarah Jane and they were under siege by some lumbering creatures who were attacking people in the ground. So this is my, I'm going to get it on screen now. So this is actually my very earliest doctor. This is my very. What are they doing there? <laughs> this is this is this is my This is my very personal, very first Doctor Who memory, right here up on screen. So this is the two mummies from Pyramids of Mars, and he was the gamekeeper, wasn't he? Something mm -hmm. like that. The game. Poor fella. Yeah, so he was he was caught by them and, and uh, given the uh, the Dolly Parton treatment there. So he was squeezed by <laughs> squeezed suffocated by the chest. But as a child, this it's so rude. This this moment and the atmosphere leading up to it and afterwards, because the Doctor and Sarah are in Scarman's house, aren't they, Simon? So I'd remembered yeah. that correctly. <laughs> I'd, I'd over the years, because obviously I saw this in seventy five. I didn't see it again until the late 80s when it came out on when it was re-released on VHS for like 9.99. So for nearly 15 years, basically my entire childhood, this memory lived just in my mind. And yes. I added elements to it. I added a soundtrack. I added scenes that when I did eventually watch it, that it that weren't even there of the doctor and Sarah peering out from the window of the cottage and us being able to see inside and to see the cottage being stalked by these creatures. None of those moments are in the actual show, but mm. in my head, they they were and they lived on. And I think that's exactly the kind of thing that Ben Wheatley's talking about. So uh, yeah, that's mine. I think this moment is pretty high on other people's lists. Who would have been my age at the time? I had no idea which story it was. Everybody, in fact, it took me several years by a process of elimination to identify this Doctor Who moment. But when I did, it was a mixture of I felt very satisfied, and then I found it at last, <laughs> and a little disappointed that it wasn't as scary potent as and as detailed yeah. as my memory. But I can see why this scared me so much. Basically, I was about two and a half. It terrified me. But strangely, Ian, it didn't stop me from watching Doctor Who. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the Doctor's a hero, isn't he? And he's on every week. So, you know, that, yeah. that of course you're going to watch it every week, aren't you? If, you know, the thing about being scared is it, it kind of, as I said, it kind of makes you who you are. I remember when I said, there's one episode of Doctor Who, which, which I yeah. found completely scared. I was totally totally terrified of it which uh dan will show you in a mo oh yeah will you show so, did you so do you mean that you saw were you totally scared of it when you saw it at the time so when you were at a child time, yeah. a at child when i was a, a kid, childhood yeah. memory so yeah i have got yeah. this so it's this one yes we've got it on the screen now so it's this what's this a shot this is a shot terribly from two of yours in 71 yeah. why do you think right, like, so what did you remember so the one on the one on the on, on the left, okay, right. I don't remember it that way. When I was a kid, it seemed more terrifying than, <laughs> than that. When yeah, I was a yeah, kid, yeah. I was literally terrified because I I went to bed thinking this thing might come into my bedroom and crawl on my bed and you know attack yeah. me and stuff. You know, as a kid though, I mean that is absolutely terrifying. And then you see the one on the right. That's from the new version when they yeah. when they corrected the effects. The and effects, I, I must yeah. say, it still looks scary. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? It really does. They've managed to yeah. update it to preserve. They've kept it true to how how the prop actually looked. They haven't suddenly turned it into this sort of really slick looking thing. It still looks like it was made in 1971. Mm. But they've kept alive that chill that you felt, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bigger, obviously, than the original, the original yeah. version. But um, uh, the new effects it, it is it's very creepy. The new effects. Mm as well yeah. so well done whoever whoever replaced those effects because it was, it was completely well done that was it was one of the it was one of the it was this specific the bbc got into a lot of trouble about at the time mm. for that very reason you just talked about Ian, which is that they were using a recognizable thing that a child would love that suddenly is terrorized the child and that's why the show got into trouble because of terry the autons and also because of the police officer um yeah. policeman um but it's interesting that you literally you are living proof actually of what the show was criticized for at the time so they had a point the criticisms that were coming in and it was mary whitehouse i presume specifically moaning about this yeah so they had a point but of course you're reasonably well adjusted now aren't you i don't yeah. think did you get too much damage did it at the time no it didn't and and the, the thing is though i think I, i've always thought mary whitehouse was wrong okay I, well you know with with some of the hardcore stuff that when videos were coming out at that time and it didn't have a certificate yes i understand why she was going off and on, but doctor who no doctor who is is even though it's scary that's the whole point of doctor who in those days it was meant to be scary it was meant to be funny it was meant to be a sci-fi one you know a complete sci-fi one week then it's meant to be that one with the um when when uh tom baker was um i can't remember the name of it now my brain's so slow um the one the huge rat yeah that yeah. one you know that even that one scared me a bit do you know what i mean because that was yeah. all dark you know, it was all shot in the darkness. Uh, that, that, what is it? The um, cobbled streets and all that stuff. You know, it was meant to be like that. You know, there's nothing wrong with scaring kids, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely there nothing isn't. wrong it's with a, it. Somebody, somebody described it in the chat, Ian, as a safe scare because the sofa is, is always there for you to hide behind. Yeah. As you said, JT, the, you know, and there's the doctor. The doctor is there. The doctor's there to effectively kind of hold your hand in yes. a virtual way because the doctor's there everything will be will be okay well that's something that we all knew especially with with tom's era the longest era um and and we knew that it got lost certainly after that as various actors came in and portrayed it a different way mm. uh, but in the context of that story especially in that golden age of the the, the the 70s era you knew the doctor was there you knew you were going to be okay um and you always feared more for the companion maybe than the doctor because the doctor was the hero so it's it's very odd we better just point out as well in case anybody abroad has never heard of mary whitehouse mary house mary whitehouse was the um the founder and the leader of the national viewers and listeners association which was a, a an unauthorized body in the united kingdom that criticized everything that was on television and radio so and doctor who so they had no government remit did they Jay? not at all and um a, a doctor who was high on the list for years for years and years and years and years and in fact she was still there when jnt was in charge and nathan yeah. turner would always say he loved it when he when she complained because she would put an extra 10 million onto the viewing figures <laughs> so uh, that's what she was about she was she she and her uh, colleagues there thought that they were looking at something looking after I mean, something i mean how different is that jt from say jurassic park i remember when i took my nephews to see jurassic park and little chris was was sitting on my lap and he was so scared he had his head buried in my chest 
you know what I mean? I mean, they allow yeah. something like that, but yet they're complaining about Doctor Who with cheap well, yeah, effects. The, 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 the times have changed, and again, I think it's because what we all did, what we all grew up with, and what the, the what the filmmakers and the producers did in the seventies and, and certainly in the early eighties changed how things are perceived now because children don't get that scared anymore. They are no, they, they are terribly white, and that's why Doctor Who sort of suffers because it's very difficult to to actually scare the little darlings. In and fact, there was a, right, and there was a thing, remember. Ian, as well. Sorry, so, sorry but there was yeah. there was a thing too, though, Ian, whereby mm. what you were talking about with Jurassic Park, the idea that a, a parent would make a choice and go with the child, yeah, into a cinema. So it would be a gradual process. A, a ticket would be bought, the lights would would be lowered, and it was it was th that kind of event. Whereas Mary's argument here, Mary White's argument, mm. was that with Doctor Who, this was all going on, being beamed into people's homes so you paid you paid your license fee and in the days of three tv channels this would get transmitted into your home you would or you were a paying customer whether this was going to be to your tastes or not whether it was going to harm your family or not that was the that was the theory behind it that because you were entering someone's home their place of sanctuary that you should kind it's of stupid, censor though, you yourself can always turn the other be... channel can't you there's there's no, no, on the tv she was across all three channels, all three channels and all the BBC's radio stations. I mean, she they, they would today be the, the kings and queens of cancel culture. And mm. the, the, those people that get on board now with all these bandwagons and, 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 you know, kick off on Twitter and go after people for no real reason at all because of something they've done 20 years ago, you know, um, or yesterday or whatever. You know, they would have nothing to her and the national viewers and listeners. Yeah, but after that, and they had things like Erie, Indiana. Do you remember that was for kids yeah. and the uh, the goosebumps, the goosebumps series? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, they were scary for kids. Do you know? And so she didn't really win, really. Let's face it. No, she didn't because the creatives kept going. Do you remember the incident with Colin Baker? I think it was Mary Whitehouse, and I think it was Resurrection of the Daleks. And the mutants got oh, yes. Colin Baker pulled his hair back in a fight scene, mm. and they went mad about it. I'm assuming that was Mary Whitehouse. Was a that would have been was that in Vengeance on Varos? Do you think because that caused a it lot was... of problems, didn't it? If the fight scene in that show too. Yeah, Vengeance on Varos was the one where they all they had multiple heart attacks. Um, they couldn't believe what was going on on a Saturday afternoon around about five twenty in the evening, um, <laughs> and and that was two very long episodes then as well. They didn't like the forty five minute episode structure with these stories because they found it. Horrific. But that was the actual catalyst. And we'll talk about this another time. That was the excuse. She she was the excuse for Michael Grade's, yeah. you know, brouhaha. Mary passed away 20 years ago this year, funnily enough. And uh, wow. you know, she wasn't she wasn't as fearsome, maybe, particularly in her later years. She used to go on TV shows and muck about with people like Noel Edmonds and get, get roped into all sorts of uh, little sort of ploys and, and skits and things. So she was quite a good sport. But she just wanted to be famous. Attitude. Come on! But she was in the United Kingdom. And she got there. She, she became she became famous, and she knew it. You know, and and when she started getting paid by the likes of the BBC to go on now, so I tell you something though. In hindsight, now she was nothing compared to the crap we have to go through today. And I, and I bet everybody now misses what the tameness of her. She never actually went to get anybody fired. Well, and also the other thing the other thing that's interesting with mary white is you're right jt uh, and even at the time she was seen as something of a joke um mm. by a lot of people whereas now that's changed and it's no longer seen as a joke and we must all take it very very seriously so that's the difference she was she was seen as a bit of a of a mad old woman um that you have a little bit of a laugh <laughs> behind your hands at and now we've all disappeared down that 
that the Mary Whitehouse plug hole that we've all got to be concerned about everything these days. Um, that one of the funniest things I've ever seen with Mary Whitehouse, I don't know whether it's on it's on YouTube. If it is, go and track it down and have a look. Mrs. Merton does an interview with Mary Whitehouse. Oh, uh, yeah. This is from probably probably late, uh, what would it be, mid mid nineties, I would say. Uh, and it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see because we were talking about Dennis Penis earlier. And again, Mary Whitehouse has absolutely no idea oh, dear, yeah. that she's being set up by Mrs. Merton. And uh, yeah. it's just, a, it's a classic, classic interview. Go and have a look at, for that on YouTube. Here's the, here's the moment, everybody, that uh, made her really lose her shit. This oh, is from the, yeah. dead, from oh. the Deadly Assassin. Somebody mentioned it in the chat, in the live chat yeah. on YouTube a moment ago. This was the famous, the notorious yeah. scene, the cliffhanger scene where the doctor is seen to be drowning. And her, her argument, Simon, was that this, this particular image would live with a child for that week in between. She wasn't yeah. wrong, was she? Well, of course she wasn't wrong, but, but that's the whole point. That was why we all watched Doctor Who, for goodness sakes. What she'd done <laughs> yeah. is she completely, fundamentally misunderstood why they were watching Doctor Who. And it wasn't to see fluffy bunny rabbits or unicorns. It was see, to see the Doctor in danger of his life. <laughs> and and, and, being, and, and we, we, the whole point is we enjoyed that week when we didn't know whether the Doctor would survive or not. So she just yeah. misunderstood it. And let's not forget, that is the one scene out of everything that basically got Philip Hinchcliffe fired from the show. <laughs> they were already possibly looking to move him on. He was maybe ready. You know, I think it so. It yeah. quite as simple as that. But the truth yeah. of it is that caused so much problem. That single shot that you've just shown so caused so much problem in the BBC that it then basically became, OK, yeah, it's probably about time that we did let Philip go. Um, so it was the final catalyst that that, that, left, that made him lose, leave the show. And he himself has said that he would have happily gone on. He was already thinking he would maybe do a fourth year on the show. Um, but it was just agreed at that point, no, we better mm. let you go because of the death of causing so much trouble. There is no psychological reason to all this go back to the 70s well not the 80s the 70s you've got a psychological you've got a physiological reaction in the brain when you're scared as a kid and of course okay. that was us now yeah. you're desensitized yeah. from a very young age yes. and you need more of a scare so the impact isn't there so yeah. it's not that things have changed i think it's just that yeah children back in the 70s we weren't given that scare which is yeah. releasing the, uh, the hormones in your brain at the chemicals making yeah. you scared I want to see that. I want to see that. But now kids get it from birth. It, it doesn't help, Guy, as well, that nowadays, uh, in the context of Doctor Who, what we had to go through was 25-minute episodes over 24 or 26 weeks, which kept the interest going. So you did have an exciting traditional cliffhanger element, and then you had to think in your mind and talk with your friends at school about how's, how's it going to resolve, how's it going to resolve. Whereas yeah. now, of course, they pack it all into one 45 or one hour episode and there's no tension. There's no grip in the child's imagination because it's bang, 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 or in the case of the current era, hollow. So it's really like, you know, that's the missing element. That doesn't, you know, you can't be scared when you know you've only got 45 minutes or an hour and it's going to be resolved very quickly. JT, mm. you've heard my story about Pyramids of Mars and, and Ian's about Terror of the Autons there. Do you want to run through a couple of the things that your examples of similar moments that stayed with you over the decades? If I can remember them, absolutely. Do you have any graphics? <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have. Okay, there we are. Here's... <clears throat> ah, right, okay. 
Well, one thing, yeah, I mean, uh, Guy mentioned the, the Hand of Fear. The Hand of Fear, for me, sticks in my head because that exact picture there, of course, Space Bookers, is when the hand twitches and the episode ends. And as Guy said earlier, Sarah is in the room. Sarah was my girl. She was my companion to this day. Liz means so much to me. It's, it's incredible. Um, and to have Sarah trapped in this room with this thing that's coming alive, I mean, that was one of those things where I just couldn't wait for the following week to see what the hell was going on. Uh, and I was also fascinated uh, as, a, as, a, as a young kid. I was five, six years old. How did they do that? I mean, the hand just, there was no arm. You know, how did they do it? It was brilliant. Um, also, I want to put that, obviously, a little bit older, I was 12 when Kinder was first broadcast. Now, Kinder for me was really scary because we were doing something in Doctor Who that I don't recall in my lifetime had been done before. We were dealing with an invader of the mind yeah. and it got Tegan um, and it took control of Tegan um, and then it came into our world. Now, thinking about that psychologically, that's horrific. Because, and that JT, because JT, she wasn't being jumped jumped at from out of the shadows, was nope. she? She was pulled, nope. pulled wholly. She was consumed into the shadows in her own mind. I remember this being so, so... I didn't understand it. I'll hold, up, hold my hands up. I'm still not sure I understand all of it. But I, at the time, it just confused me. All I knew that Te was that Tegan, who was a character that I had a major crush on, but a character I was really attached to, more importantly, had seemingly been taken to this other place, and I couldn't see how she was going to get out of it, and, and certainly how she could not be changed forever by it. And, and you immediately felt... I think it's probably down to the acting too, because Janet was right in the centre of it. It wasn't all camera trickery, was it? But again, simple ideas. Well, it was a simple idea, but as I say, it was something different to what we had had. You know, the monster wasn't around there, and because there was that confusing element. But I also have to big up the fact that yes, Janet's acting. Uh, and the way she presented it. And we all know she loved this story and its sequel, Snake Dance, for obvious reasons. But also the guy that eventually, who was with her, that went on to the bill. can't remember his name now. I do apologize. But that whole scene, just on black drapes with powerful lighting yeah. in a particular... I mean, that was Monday evening at 7.20. That was, that was you, know, you know, wow. Hang on a minute. Hard, That's yeah, hard, what, hard going TV, dramatic clout that you didn't see in a lot of post-watershed dramas at the time i think i, I think maybe because it wasn't it was around that same time as sapphire and steel which was a, a gentler a gentler show generally mm. but there was a brutality to that story that i don't think i'd ever seen on doctor who at that point i think it's yeah. lack of money and they had to use their imagination when they have lack of money so, well, I, so I, I think, don't know what I you mean. Think, <laughs> I think when, when a script comes through, when a script comes through, and you're you're writing for Doctor Who, especially back then, and you know that Doctor Who hasn't been given the resources by the BBC yeah. that you feel it should. I think that's the art of the script writer mm. and indeed the script yeah. editor, where they're yeah. coming together to be able to say, "Well, these are your restrictions." And when you get it right, like like I think Kinder did. I mean, I watched it recently because, of course, it's on the season nineteen standard edition blu-ray release available now in all good retailers that you know you've got that element there um and i was watching this thinking right this is going from here to here in the in, and and there's three major sets there's the kinder tribe in the in the world of kinder then you've got this surreal thing where the mara lives this, the darkness of the inside and all this and then you've got this psychedelic bit uh and that oh actually there's fourth isn't there there's the there's the um base 
it just works and you watch it and it's it's it, as an adult now watching it i thought this is actually genius this is a brilliant I suppose, script i suppose to riff on the base on the siege idea but the, the siege is sort of like almost your own your own mind oh it's giving me sh give me shivers just to, just thinking about it simon i know that's your era too but you must have a mind stocked with it well i already know one of yours simon because we've talked about it before but you want to tell the tell the people out there do you want to confide some of your darkest memories to us yeah, my, my two basically are, are the, the first one is Bok, um, which is my absolute earliest memory in life, full stop. And, and interesting, that shot that you've got there is the very shot that I can remember that absolutely put the willies at me. I was about three at three at the time. Picking his tongue um, out. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I just absolutely freaked. And I've been watching the demons again this week because of course it's 50 years this week since the demons yep. was on uh, we watched episode five on saturday to celebrate the 50th anniversary of that episode going out and it's not, lost none of its impact for me and certainly bock absolutely scared the life out of me as a kid um and i i know for a fact i can pinpoint that that was the moment that i fell in love with doctor who was being absolutely terrified of bock um but my other big one <laughs> was was the zygons and so i was probably how old was i the zygons probably about seven or eight something like that and i remember particularly the cliffhanger to episode one of terror of the zygons when um the the, the one zygon comes up behind sarah and puts its hand on the back of uh, Sarah's shoulder absolutely yeah. terrified me as a child uh, just being freaked by this hand coming <laughs> up and, and and touching Sarah you know violating my heroine I adored Sarah um, and I can still remember it's one of the only dreams the only nightmares of my entire life I can remember but I remember after that episode having a nightmare about the Zygons, where this Zygon was chasing me around my own garden. And I can still remember as clear as day, literally, where I was in the garden when the Zygon caught me. And for reasons I still can't quite fathom, the Zygon <laughs> shoved my head into a bottle. I can remember this oh, distinct Zygon shoving <laughs> my head into a bottle for no apparently good reason. <laughs> I don't know where you picked that but I only have to see. I remember seeing pictures. Obviously, being being a little a little younger, I would see pictures of Zygons yeah. Ian in Doctor mm. Who Weekly and things. Sometimes they were in black and white. These pictures of stories that I was too young to have seen, and they even the images would scare me, and my imagination would sort of invent, kind of invent the stories that they were in because I'd got no way of experiencing them. But I think this show and the creativity and these visceral images that we see. We've got some of them just on the right here. These are just some of the new series and classic series sites yeah. that I believe have chilled people the most. Mm. But it, there's something there's, – obviously, there's, it's quintessential scares, isn't it? But they are kind of a similar breed, you could, you could say. I mean, there's the scarecrows there in the one picture there from the Family of Blood and the Autons smashing out of the shop window in 1970. Well, yes. And, and, striding, and, and also, lumbering characters. And, they're, 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 yeah, you're right. They're, they're all those kind of characters, and I See, know, that, you know within those within within those characters, I know that that, that guys. Were, another of my scary moments, which I'm not going to talk about, is Guy's scary moment, which again is that same kind of monster. So I'm going to hand over to Guy. Go on, Guy. Oh, which one's this? This <laughs> is this is the vampires. 
Yeah, this we spoke about the Vampire State. Yeah. <laughs> out of existence for a little while. We spoke about yeah, the vampires and State of Decay. Yeah, we spoke about that earlier. Mm. So is it the so more humanoid? Is it the more humanoid people, people who look like they've been transformed for you, Guy? Is that what you think you found more disturbing? They're, they're human, humanoid, yeah, but... If they're humanoid, and if they can do anything where if they... It's, if it's basic instinct, like a vampire has got to eat, it's got to feed, and they're strong. And so, so if a human's vulnerable, I'm petrified. Mm. And if they look humanoid as well... That means they can get close to you. So it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're no, they're, body, you can run. So the, 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 you know, they had them. Um, they they came back. The Altons. They came back for the uh, uh, Chris Eccleston's one. But if you look yeah. at that picture there, that's the seventies version of them, right? They there's something sinister about them than the ones in the Chris Eccleston uh, one. Oh, the Chris Eccleston one. Yeah, they look a bit. The one in Chris Eccleston, they looked a bit rubbish. Right, but scary. this one, yeah, but there's something about that time, the 70s, there's something yeah. about the way they're dressed that looks very sinister and weird, do you know? And that's yeah. what kind of, kind of, the neckties. you know, gets gets you a bit, you know? Um, I don't think any of the modern stuff, the new Who stuff, I didn't think they were scary. The water, the water, water of Mars wasn't scary, and this, uh, what is it, where you, but, but, are but you maybe, my mummy, didn't really, but, wasn't but, really scary to me. No, but, but I, I do think that's probably due, due to our my age. age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because as kids, I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry, Guy, yeah. what were you saying? Sorry. We just know how things work now. Yeah, we, we do. We just fill in the blanks automatically now. But yeah. what, as I've always said, Doc, too, strip it back to basics. Mm. Like, stop trying too hard. Yes. Yeah. Go back as an adult, Simon, and, and particularly, I mean, as a parent, I find this, I've, we've got the, uh, probably still after 16 years, one of the most celebrated of the new series stories. We've got a picture of it here on the far right and down on the bottom is from the empty child there, the, the child in the gas mask. Although we are older, you're saying, oh, it's the age. We are much older now than we were when we first saw Pyramids of Mars, for example. When I see things like The Empty Child, if, if somebody puts a child in danger or distress like that, I kind of relate that to my own kids who had been around the same age as the child and The Empty Child at the time. And so that scared me, but on, an, on another level too. If that makes if that makes sense, it, it's a, so it's a, the evolution of the fear factor really, and also at the picture that we're looking at now on the far left, we've got the mummy from uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, Ian. That when we've we've reviewed this and we've talked about yeah. this at some length, and although the one lumbering bandage clad behemoth is the same as any other. Yeah. In this episode, I think the stroke of genius was having the countdown clock in the yeah. corner as well. That chimes with the ad with the adult too, the idea of running out of time and your own mortality and things. So it finds a way of scaring you on different levels. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be kinder to the new series here. I think that that's quite clever. What's interesting is that in the old days, because of lack of budget, they had to think of something imaginative mm. without the special effects to try and scare you. Now we're going backwards now because we are so we've seen so many effects digitized and CGI. Yeah, okay. Now everybody's fighting to go backwards to that that um, scaring you without those effects, which is interesting, don't you think? Going backwards, yeah, today, yeah. yeah. We've got lots of people in the chat saying things like the empty child is genuinely chilling 
And we've had uh, we've had David Enke in the chat saying the mum that mummy was not scary at all. It wasn't. So. <laughs> it, wasn't. it, wasn't. Yeah, it probably was to a five year old. <laughs> I don't think any five year olds were watching it at that time. Uh, no, I don't think. Probably not. Think. Not, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. So the. Taran said Vanessa also it's the Santaras. That's another her. thing, Dan. Do you, do, do, do you reckon in the 70s when they actually created monsters for Doctor Who, there was that idea of actually creating monsters, you know, like like um the, the Santarans, they actually look like something that's from another planet, your worst nightmare kind of design. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that's yeah. a very bold way of of showing you an alien. Today it's very different, isn't it? When they show an alien, either humanoid or they look a bit sleek and stuff like that but they were really ugly creatures in doctor who i, I think they? well really I've, got the, ugly. I've got i've got the uh, the silence behind me here i yeah. found those creatures and particularly yeah. the way they moved i thought that was brilliantly done and Love that the was the last, probably the last time doctor who really scared me uh you know, scare I, I'm me. no problem in saying that i found those creatures the way they moved how ruthless that they were really quite scary and you know, it's when like something that, is mean. that sort of visceral. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. yeah. And we've got garbage on, in the chat here. Says that seeing Richard Wilson's face turn into a gas mask was quite scary. So body horror—that's another thing that always gets to me yeah. too. It's similar to what you were saying, guy. You know, it's once—it's sort of one step along from the vampire thing when you actually yeah. see a transformation, and when it is so, it always looks so painful too. If pain, mm. because we don't like pain, do we? I don't like pain. Well, I've got, going back to Tegan. Going back to Tegan. And that the Mara, it's in the mind. How can you defend yeah. yourself when it's something in the mind? Yeah. You can't grab it, you can't punch it, it's mental. So yeah. that's all yeah. vulnerability. Yeah, it is. But you never you get anything like that in the series these days. They don't really go into that kind of mind horror these days no. anymore. I think there was some of that to some extent in the last, uh, what was it called? The finale of Peter Capaldi's, of series 10 of Peter Capaldi's last season, The Doctor Falls, where we see where Bill is turned into a Cyberman. And that's really quite a visceral story uh, with a, a, a villain like, like the Cybermen who've been back time and time and time and time again. They stripped those characters back and we saw the links really between the the stalking silver giants that we've become accustomed to and the and the people the real people who we kept being told were were trapped inside were processed inside in that two part they stripped it back and i think that commute that came across really really well we've got jt back with us again thank heaven oh <laughs> sorry about this i have no idea what's happening here today it's our nightmare We've got adipose in the works or Taping in the works, as somebody just said in the <laughs> chat here. Whatever it is, we don't. Whatever it is, we don't like it. Packing in, um, yeah. So the the nature, the nature of fear and and Doctor Who, and and childhood. I think that although we haven't got a Mary Whitehouse at the moment, technically there's nobody self-appointed. We do have we do have Ofcom, of course. They regulate everything that's, that's on screen, and there is. Well, there is a nanny state, isn't isn't there, Ian? More more than cancel culture. There's this sort of nanny state attitude now. So looking after how, children. Yeah. How yeah, how to how to scare kids? It's probably is a finer line that they walk than ever, and that's taking on board everything that Guy said. That children are they've seen it all before. Most kids are watching horror horror films and that level of threat and danger at a considerably younger age than than we were. They've got, you know, simply because they've they've got access to it, and you could say that a lot of them do know it's just a story. They do know its effect uh, as well. But yeah, there is that too. But a but a great scare and one that is 
as JT, as you were saying, and one that is anchored in a bloody good story that pulls you into the point where you forget that it's an mm. effect. That's the key, isn't it, JT? That's the key to Doctor Who's probably enduring power to scare. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's something they've lost in the modern series. They don't understand that. And, and yes, there are, even right now, there are other pressures into that. But Russell, it's not... Russell knew that, though, didn't he? And I think Russell knew I think that to an extent, too. but he had his own rules about that. Well, to an extent, yes, but it's certainly been lost over the years. But it starts, it starts for me, you know, I just remember when I was a kid, the scare would start immediately, the, the announcer would say, and, and now it's Doctor Who, because even the titles and the theme music scared the hell out of me. Yeah, the Tom Baker titles and the Tom Baker theme music set the tone. You, it, was, it was literally taking you into another world where you knew anything could happen. And still to that day, um, I get the goosebumps when the Tom Baker titles so are, are, are yeah. shown. You and know, it takes me right back. The problem is, but, yet again, in the modern show, the music is not scary. Well, it is scary, but for completely the wrong reason, it's scary because it's rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think sometimes. Again, they're basically scared of scaring kids. But the other thing that I think is key is the fact that these days there are so many distractions. So anybody watching, any kids watching Doctor Who are going to be looking at their phone. They're going to be doing oh, this yeah. anyway. One yeah. eye on Doctor Who. Whereas, we, yeah, absolutely, that's it, guy. Whereas we, we were focused. That was it. We, yes, as you say, JT, we were drawn in by that title scene. So we were there for 25 minutes. We were there in the moment. That was all that my world was. And I can still remember, you know, I, I, my heart was going. During those 25 minutes, my heart was going because you were nervous as to what was going to happen next um, and would the doctor survive. It, it was it was thrilling, but these days kids would be they'd be doing other stuff. They'd be chatting yeah. to their mates on. They'd be yeah. texting. So yeah. so you wouldn't yeah. be drawn into the same way. It's impossible. It's even at, it's even at the beginning, Simon, isn't it? The music, the theme music, and the titles yeah. are not scary. When Russell it built the show, back, yeah. When Russell brought the show back, uh, two thousand and four to two thousand and five, there was a homage to the Doctor Who titles, which the Paul McGann titles also had, but they yeah. were they focused more on the the fast. Bang, 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 more yeah. than the mystery and the suspense yeah. and the, the horror and the scared attitude, which yeah. Delia Derbyshire, of course, had down pat with Ron Grainer, yeah. um, but, but Delia Derbyshire. So, you know, uh, that's the emphasis on that, I think. And, and because it doesn't set the tone of here, you're going into a different world. It's, a, it's sci-fi, but it's also a bit scary, kids. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know. You know, it's. I it's, suppose it's it was the tagline, wasn't it, JT? The trip of a lifetime. We're we're t we're we're grabbing and we're running and we're taking you somewhere. There was a momentum to it, and the, and the mm. opening credits they sort of represented that. Whereas, yeah. as, as you described, the Tom Baker those Tom Baker titles. If I don't watch any classic Doctor Who for a while, particularly the Tom Baker era, when it kicks in, I forget the power of it, and I'm transported back to that child who must have watched Pyramids of Mars and everything that came afterwards. Guys, they're nodding, and when those the black bars when they come in from the side and, yeah. and make and the TARDIS forms, I forget, yeah. I always forget that it starts almost in solid black, mm -hmm. and I think that you know whereas the the modern the new series title sequences are, are all about like okay here we go hold tight we're going now 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 and it, it's a rumble and it pulls you in like that. The, the Tom Baker title sequences, they sort yeah, of wrap like themselves around you. The darkness comes from behind you, and then you yeah. go you go somewhere else, and it gradually, very gradually, but the Tom, sort of the fills Tom your Baker, field of vision. It was the Tom Baker era was, yeah, was, was very different to the rest of them because it, it basically, um, how would you describe it? It changed. 
So, you know, you had like the first the first season was very different to the second season. Then they went through this horror um, tone at yeah. one point, didn't they? And it developed, uh, you know, the, the series developed because they had to keep coming up with something new and something new and something new. And the, the, the Tom Baker era was very, very unique compared to the, the other the other errors it was. themselves. It was, so. but also because television techniques were changing, yeah. production teams were changing. But if you look at the Tom Baker era in itself, that's the 70s. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it all, it all helps in, in the, the tone of what you're watching. The reason why you were scared is because, as JT says, you only had three channels, you're waiting for it for the next week, it ha cliffhanger, you'd be scared, you know, is the Doctor going to survive? Is so-and-so going to get bitten by a vampire? Is he going to get eaten by the huge, stupid plastic rat do you know what i mean and all that stuff all that stuff used to worry yeah. about as yeah. a kid you know yeah yeah absolutely completely different now i think her heart out there as well isn't she doing something we wouldn't expect <laughs> like screaming because somebody's told her to whereas she's acting her heart out there thinking Lena wouldn't scream <laughs> images that will live with us probably for the rest of our lives, everybody. I've mm. I've no doubt how special this series. You know, it's it's never going to be moved from any of our affections. And I think that when I do when I do view Pyramids of Mars, for example, I always remember that moment from when I was a child. I remember the alternative version that I created. And obviously I thank the creatives involved in filling my life with with all all these visceral visceral images that, that have stayed with me that gave me such a such a uh, how can I put this? A potent childhood. That, yeah. That obviously, that obviously anchored Doctor Who within yeah. me on a, on a really, really fundamental level. The fact that I'm still sat here talking about it forty odd years later. But there's the, the broader cultural impact as well. It's a, we had, we it's had a, other, a wonderful show to follow. We had mm. the other advantage, Dan, uh, as you, Simon, and uh, Ian, and I have talked about before that we not only had that, but we had the target books to just bring out that little bit more of our imagination, which of course is not happening. Yes, okay, I know they're around now, but the kids won't go and read it after the yeah. stories broadcast like we did. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, a need to have book. So I'm wondering, actually, I might go back and read Pyramids because I'm wondering if you've read Pyramids at some point and that scene's actually in there. It's different time. It's different. Definitely, definitely different not. time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is very, very different today with kids now. And I don't, I don't blame blame them what i don't i i understand why they don't watch doctor who it's only people like us and i don't care what anyone says we were the people that are carrying um uh chris eccleston's show we were the people that carry in uh david tenants we were the people that carry in um, i think um, we Smith. were the people we who were. called our families in front of that tv yeah. for the chris yeah. Yeah. series yeah. i don't but i think that it would not have had the huge pop culture impact during the David Tennant and Matt Smith era if the kids hadn't rolled up and yeah, rolled yeah. up and rolled up. We and were, we they were, responsible they for were absolutely, yeah, they, they needed yeah. that nudge from us. But once yes, they yeah. were there, they were, they were oh. there, there. Yeah. That, it's, yeah. It's support, Dan, Ian. That's what you're talking about there. We were there as the original fan base to support this show coming back. Yeah. Um, and we all did. And then, yeah. then you know, whether or not we appreciated the new version or we didn't, um, and, and where it's led to since. But we were there in the United Kingdom to say, Doctor Who's coming back. Christopher Eccleston's playing Doctor Who. And here we go. And yeah, that was that's why that worked. And that's something that the BBC, of course, has forgotten since. Yeah. And that means well, that we can forgotten. take full credit. This is why the fans are the real owners of Doctor Who, and why we can take why we can take full credit for the success of Doctor Who, can't we, Chris? 
Of course we can. Oh, Chris, come on. Oh, oh charming. 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 Yeah, well, think what you like. You can think what you like. Uh, talking about scares, everybody, and talking about the classic series, just want to remind you that in a few days' time, on the 28th of June, we've got a new date. It was put back, and then it was put back again. It's not the most vintage of years, one could say, but it all counts. Season 24 is out on Blu-ray next Monday, everybody. So I hope I hope that drops through your letterbox on probably the Saturday for some, Monday for others. Yeah, isn't it? yeah well, it depends on the size of you. <laughs> exactly. Right. The Amazon guy, I hope they I hope they are kind to you and bring it you speedily. And let us know how you get on. Join they the, join the mat and they run off. They run <laughs> off, don't they? They dump on the mat and they run off. You open the door and go out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Type 40 Facebook yeah. group if you haven't already. Join the chat in there and share your pictures of when you get your happy new arrivals, when you pop it on your shelf for the old, bit of the old shelf porn. That always goes down well. We always like to see our, our collections laid out in front of us, don't we? Let's have some pretty pictures before we go, everybody. What do you think? Some more pretty pictures. How about Tom Baker? We looked at... Uh, William Hartnell, Patrick Trowman, and John Pertwee last time. That was great. Clayton Hickman's been at yep. it again. I can't keep up with this guy. But, yeah, this was this was from uh, last week. He uh, produced this one. This this was the uh, – yeah, this was an image, sorry. This was taken on the Scarrow Cave set at Television Centre in February 1975, everybody. And, uh, yeah, a black-and-white photo that we've all seen probably hundreds and hundreds of times. Clayton Hickman's gone and he's gone and done his usual trick and he's put it into colour for us. There we are. How about that? Cool. Uh, yes. Uh, that reminds me as a kid watching yeah. him. Yeah. But do, do you see that that's, uh, ties in with what we were talking about there, about the memories? Because when I first saw that, that to me was just, that's Doctor Who. The colouring Clayton has got there, the whole image of it. And it actually reminded me of, of um, you know, times as a kid, and some of the merchandise that was around, or Charlotte would say the merch that was around. Yeah. Um, and that picture looks like it could come straight out of this poster magazine. If we can mm. see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, it yeah. just reminds me of what, because this kid turns out into a huge, big poster, which that I picture that uh, the, the colouring that could be part of. You are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> ugly aliens. Doctor Who was very famous for ugly aliens. Somebody said to me, one of my friends, I shared some pictures during, uh, I think it was around the time of the anniversary, onto Facebook. It's just one of my closest friends. I shared a picture of uh, of Broton, funnily enough, Simon, from Terror of the Terror of the Zygons. And uh, my mate, he's, he's not a Doctor Who fan, but I put this up on my on my actual Facebook profile, and he got back to me and said, Dan, that just looks like a giant walking penis. Why were you scared? <laughs> Why are you scared of that? I don't know. But from yeah, from the Tom Baker era, I took it's the it's the mid 70s. You've got to suspend your imagination. Something we don't need to suspend our imaginations for are to see the amazing work. I don't know if you've seen this guy. If you're over on Twitter, you might have seen some fan art, but we've been following this guy's work for a while now. This is the Prydonian. He specializes in Daleks. We haven't looked at anything that he's put out in a couple of weeks, but he's banging them out too. So this is this is the uh, Dalek regime. Oh, amazing. Lovely. Yeah. Got the lighting very well there. Nice um, little differences as well, eh, guys? Well, if With you the look red on eyes. the domes themselves, JT, is that uh, what you mean too? The the eye stalk and the, and the domes. 
Yeah, because uh, the slats he's done before, so he's taken them on. And if you look at the domes and just around the domes, he's, he's moved those on a little bit as well. But if you actually look at the one on the right, the far right here, that reminds me very much of a Destiny Dalek. If you look at the shape, mm. slightly different. Yeah, it goes um... down at sharper angles. I think I know what he means, Simon. What do you think? Uh, I can, no, I can't see it, actually. I don't quite know what you... They what look you... very sleek. Don't they? Sleek. Yeah, yeah. Much better than the stupid design they had than the oh, last Doctor Who. Absolutely. Show. They're really sexy yeah, yeah. Daleks, those are, as I say. Mm. And black Daleks just always work well, don't they? Oh, they yeah, just, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Set, yeah. Yeah. And they would look good in a, in a on film, in a film um, script, wouldn't they? They would look, yeah. they would look nice, think. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of wonder how the BBC keep on messing the design of the Daleks up. I mean, you just look at those and you're like, it's not difficult. It isn't rocket science to make the Daleks look good. I'll keep yeah. saying this. They don't care about Doctor Who. They never have. It yeah. Really but it's, it even, it's even the background, Simon. It's spot on. Yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Everything about it's it. Really. It looks like a domain, doesn't it? It looks yeah. like somewhere where, like the Daleks nest almost because they are kind of, yeah. Scurrying about Evil. in there all the time, the way yeah. the way spiders do. Yeah, I love I love all that. And yeah, before we go, I think it's time to also give uh, blow a kiss back to Vanessa Law for her entries. These were her entries in the annual competition there. So I think yeah, the one on the left is probably our winner. Winner, what do you think, gentlemen? Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Says something, something, something. Get in. No time to explain. <laughs> get in. Yeah, I quite like that. It's nice. Yeah, so well done, Vanessa. Well done, everybody. And thank you for taking part in our latest lot of silliness. That uh, that does wrap us up, though. Just time to remind you of, uh, yeah, to please, if particularly you've been here this long, my God, this has been a long stream. Yeah, please. I think it's all the technical <laughs> difficulties we had earlier on, sort of push things on. But yeah, like the video. After we've worked hard for you this last couple of hours, haven't we? Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. You don't want to miss some more. It usually runs a little more, a little more smoothly, but that's all part of the fun. Yeah, subscribe to the channel <laughs> and hit the little bell. Hit the cloister bell to get the notifications about when we go live next. We could be talking about Doctor Who. We almost certainly will be. Doctor Who is a major, major focus of this channel, but we may be talking about other things, other sci-fi other shows that we've got. We've got the General Spacebook live stream show. We've got Hard Drive, which is a sci-fi podcast. And we've got all the, the Teleport Blake 7 stuff too. If you want to see more of these live streams, there's uh, 25 up to now. And you can find those wow. in the playlists on the channel too. With all our guests, all our friends, all our companions, all these topics and talking points and fan art and everything else that we get up to here on Type 40 Live. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us guy i hope you hope you had some fun when we were able to manage, uh, finally get you through <laughs> yes when i sorted it out yes no problem at all you've you've just launched a new podcast haven't you for for budding writers remind us what it's called again it's called the new street authors um, it's not out yet. We just we're doing about five of them before we put them out for general release. For you okay. to listen to. I'll let you know when then when we do. Please let us know. We'll make sure that we can get some links out to people, and we'd love to have you back at some point in the future. We'll let you know what's going on, when, and, and see if it tickles your fancy. We won't spoil any of the classic <laughs> stuff that you've not seen yet. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's well, I just up his can't own jokes. Wait. We can all get together. And we'll go together and sit, and you can be with me Yay! when I watch something for the first time. Old school <laughs> fandom. It's That's a deal, young man. It's a deal. Let's do that. Let's do a watch party. I don't know how Simon did that. Yes, you'll have to come now. to Scotland for it. 
We'd like to remind you about yeah, the candy jar books that was uh, was up earlier on about the charity book. All the links to that are in the show notes too. And that Doctor Who mastermind for you to watch at your leisure. <laughs> Let us know what you score while you're here as well on the channel. Check out some of our other Doctor Who content type for see a Doctor Who podcast. The latest episode was episode 80. You can either watch the video of it with myself and Simon reviewing Clack, the Chris Akaleos book from Candy Jar again, or you can listen to it on the podcatcher of your choice. Yeah, we go into great details about the book and about Chris's career too. We really did geek out. Uh, we really did geek out on that one as befits an 80th episode. Be more of that soon. Ian, where can people catch up with you on YouTube? You're ubiquitous, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I have to keep saying the same thing every week. I've got uh, Go my uh, web series, uh, Rebecca Gold. If you type in Rebecca Gold, then you'll find it. It's in YouTube. It's free to watch. And then I've got films, feature films that I've directed in the past. And if you want to see them, just drop me a line on uh, Twitter, Ian da- at Ian David Diaz, and I will give you the links. Okay, Ooh. that's me. Ooh. Cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> Simon. Simon's over there. Have we got Simon? Can you hear me, Simon? I think he's frozen or he's gone. No, he's gone. Gonna well, I can tell you, you, can, <laughs> you can catch up with Simon. Yes, you can catch up with Simon in his Facebook group, Doctor Who, The Hoonatics. You can hang out with him there and talk oh, all manner of he's, all oh. manner of Doctor Who. I think he's coming back, yeah. He was there and he was back. That does wrap us up, though, this well, there time. He's there. Okay. He's there. <laughs> we'll be back. I've just done your plug for you, mate. I've just done your yeah, plug. Yeah, I've done your plug We'll be back next week for more Type 40 Live. Hopefully without those pesky little adipos getting in the system and causing us all this bother. Hit so the enjoy like the rest button. of your week. Hit the like button. As the man says, subscribe <laughs> to the channel. Hit the cloister bell. Listen out for more from us soon. But that, yeah, that is oh. it for now. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Those shows are a blast to make. We'll be putting more of them out too here on the Type 40 feed. But if you want to catch Type 40 Live, literally live, Join in with the comments on YouTube and Facebook and wherever. Head over to YouTube, search for The Space Book, and there we are. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the little cloister bell. Then you'll get all the notifications on when we'll be live streaming next. We always have the time. If you have the space here at Type 40, thanks for listening. More soon. Take care. Bye-bye. A Doctor Who podcast is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.